What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Winchester Radio, everybody. Uh, very quickly, Vinny, are you there? Can you hear us? Her call dropped and disappeared. Okay. Yes. Uh, anyway. What? Yeah, she's there. I, I see her, but... Okay. I'm here. Anyway. Oh, good. <laughs> good. I saw you drop. <laughs> Um, anyway, everybody, welcome to Winchester Radio. Tonight we're going to be talking about Stairway to Heaven, um, named obviously, or maybe not so obviously, for the Led Zeppelin song. It was written by Andrew Dabb and directed by Winchester Radio Podcast Hall of Famer Guy B, who is our guest tonight. Hi, Guy. Welcome back hey. to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Hall of Famer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And just very quickly, um, since Guy is here, we are not going to take call-ins just yet, maybe later on the show, and we'll definitely let everybody know when it's time. But um, now we're going to talk to Guy. So with questions or, Guy, do you just want to talk about it? or? Uh, oh, gosh, what can I say? Um, you know, I knew I was going to do uh, the 22, the second to last episode, all season. Um, so we, you know, we kind of joked when I finished uh, Devil May Care in July of 2013. I said, "Hey, all right, I'll see you guys in nine months," um, which was sort of true. I mean, I was up there a lot uh, in Vancouver, and so we ran across some some of the cast and crew while I was up there anyway, and especially ran into Misha the night before he uh, was going to direct his his episode, which was it was fun to kind of you know have dinner with him and talk about some stuff. Um, but uh, so yeah, nine months goes by and uh you know you never know i was assuming it was going to be the part one to a two-part season finale and that it was probably going to be big and ambitious and i was kind of pleasantly surprised that it was it was a very contained episode it wasn't overly ambitious um we shot it in eight solid you know 12-hour days nothing crazy over time and because a lot of shows will do a nice day it'll be like a second unit day um you know the next episode will shoot start shooting with the first unit crew and then the the guest director of the previous episode and the first AD will will go over to uh, do their one day of second unit. Well, that we didn't even have to schedule that in. It was a like a 44 page script, 33 scenes, which is very lean and mean. And and, and I, you know, for me, I like that because I'm used to shooting these these episodes that are big, and you end up cutting at least a day's worth of work out. You know, eight eight seven eight minutes out, and it, it, you know it hurts. I mean, it's like it's like cutting off your pinky. It's like you 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 can live without it, but you kind of like it and want to keep it. Um, so that's the problem with running running long with episodes. So it was uh, this was a very doable uh, lean mean. I was excited. You know, Andrew and I and uh, have worked together on previous episodes, um, and uh, I knew it was going to be a cool script. Um, also coming into it, 
the crew is a little beat up. I mean, they're sort of seeing the, you know, well, at the time, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with only, you know, 22 and 23 to go. Um, 20 was, because it was a pilot, was a little, there was a little extra tension to, to uh, you know, make it good. And there was also a three-day uh, Chicago unit that was happening while we were prepping. And so there was a lot of tumult. But, um, you know, everything settled in. It was it, it actually was a very easy shoot, uh, shoot and um, and a lot of fun. I didn't have a lot of big guest stars, and the ones that I had were, were great. Um, you know, Lindsay McKean I had never worked with before. She was wonderful. Um, Erica Carroll, who played Hannah, um, was just, you know, took the hill. She was really great. And, uh, you know, everybody else that, that, that played with us, it was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. Now, somebody ask a question. Because <laughs> I, I get sick hearing myself talk. I had, I was accidentally had it muted, and I was trying to ask on my fault. <laughs> um, I, you know, your first episode for the season, like you said, was way back at the beginning, and then coming back towards the end. What you know, how 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 does the set and everything feel? You know, like first is the beginning where everything's starting, towards the end where it's all coming. You know, towards the end. Well, it was interesting because, you know, it was fun. Like, you know, a lot, we had talked about this before. When, when we shot Devil May Care, where basically Sam becomes Gadriel, they hadn't cast uh, Tomo Peniket yet, right? They hadn't cast that actor. So so Tomo actually had to learn how to do kind of his speech pattern and the way he, like his body language went by watching Devil May Care. Because he, even though they they, cause they they aired out of order, I shot that one first. It aired second, but we established him, I guess, in the second episode, or shot second, but aired first. So it was it was a real weird, you know, roundabout way to do it. But you know, in the end, it all kind of you know worked together seamlessly. Um, and uh, and Tom was just phenomenal, and and uh, he's like a thoroughbred man. He just he just he's he's so. He's such a natural, I guess is the best way to put it. He fits in perfect with uh, with the boys too. I mean, it's like it's uh, they're they're all, they're kindred spirits. Those guys, Every, those guys work great together. Um, and then Curtis Armstrong, I, I could talk about all day how great he is. But anyway, um, and I you know I kept up with with sort of the 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 saga of the show this season and the Mark of Cain and of course the episode that uh, Tim Amundsen did. I was really excited about watching because Tim is a, you know old friend for 20 years and um, one of my favorite actors. And John Badham was one of my mentors, so I was excited to see John get in there and have fun with uh, with my you know with with my you know the thing that I always have fun with this cast and crew. So um, I kind of knew the whole like the story leading up to mine. So I didn't have to do a ton of research. I think I read um, 2021. And I, so I kind of knew, you know, what was leading up. Um, but uh, it was neat. It was it was fun to kind of be there at the beginning of that whole idea of of uh, Sam's body being taken over by Gadriel, and then the deal that was made, and you know, um, all the stuff with Castiel losing his grace, and then borrowing it, and you know, all that. So it was fun to kind of come in at the end of it, having having seen the arc of it for the last eight nine months before. And speaking of Tomo, you know, you got you dealt with him at the beginning when he was, you know, and then you got to deal with him again. Was there a difference in his character since his character has changed so much since the beginning? Uh, how was it working with Tomo with his, his character changing so much since you first directed him? Well, no, that, see, that was what, was what was the fun part of, of when I did Devil May Care is they hadn't cast him yet. 
Oh, and, that's right. That's right. And that was the that was the part. And I even said that to Tom. I go, you you know that sort of all the 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 your speech pattern and body language. We established that not knowing that you you hadn't been cast yet. You know when he when Sam wakes up in the diner, after you know he he uh, kills all the, uh, the 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 Marines, all the the, the guys from the military. Um, so he you know he was like he, even he was saying yeah that was an interesting way to work because it was already like this pattern that I kind of had to fall into. Um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting because I had watched the episodes and I, 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 you know, I was admiring Tomo's work and I was like, man, I hope he's as, as cool in person as he is, as he's coming off as, as the character. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was nice because, because, uh, by the time I got there, he, you know, he was right in with that cast and crew. And so it was a real, it was a real comfortable and an easy way to work. And I had some great, in fact, the last two scenes we shot of the episode before I wrapped and went home the next day were the scenes in, um, uh, Metatron's den, where it's the two, well, the one where he's trying on Sam's, or trying on Castiel's coat, or a coat that looks like the same coat as Castiel, and then, um, and then of course, Gadriel comes in after he says, "Give me a second. We we jokingly refer to that as getting caught masturbating scene, because it was like, <laughs> "Give me, give me, uh, give me a second. He's trying to ditch the coat, and of course, he walks in. He goes, oh, I'll give you a second. You know, being very literal, you know." Um, and then, and then the next scene when he comes back in, and you know he says the whole thing about you know uh, this is like classic flip the script. You know you have a seemingly insurmountable, you know, uh, bad guy like a Death Star or oh, I don't know a, an angel, a, the bigger flock than you. Or Curtis is so good. I mean, he, it was just so much fun to watch him do his thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was it was interesting to uh, kind of follow the that that arc throughout the season and, you know, be there at the beginning and then, then again at the end. And, um, and it's funny because everyone was like, well, you know, have you read 23 yet? Cause they were at the last couple of days of my, my episode, every, those scripts were available, right? You know, the one that Tom Wright was prepping. And I said, you know, I, I as much as I'd like to, I, I honestly kind of want to geek out a little bit and just be surprised along with the rest of the of America and the world. And, the fandom, and uh, so I don't want to know. I kind of had an inkling just because I knew, knew some of the stuff that was being talked about in prep, but uh, and you know, but but uh, so I'm I'm going to see it along with everybody next Tuesday. Cool. I hope it's cool because it's going to set up at, uh, season ten. <laughs> right. No, no pressure uh, for that episode. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> just a whole year yeah. writing uh, on it. Well. I have to ask you this because the minute this scene came on, if it hadn't even been directed by you, I still would have thought of you. Right. How how much time did you spend quoting the Big Lebowski during the, the bowling alley scene? Well, it's funny you say that. The second we like saw a bowling alley, immediately we started going to work. You know, production designer. You know, the along in the background of a lot of the shots, there's giant pinball uh, pool. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, come on, guy, you can do this. Uh, the, the pins and the giant balls along the wall that that are, like, uh, ringed by neon. Um, and that's all Jerry's art department and John Marcinuk, those guys. I mean, because the walls were pretty plain. The bowling alley wasn't anything really that exciting. It was just a – it was, like, sort of the perfect one we needed. It wasn't too big. It wasn't too small. But it needed some artwork, you know, art department work and, and some help. And, uh, and man, they, those guys did such a good job. But props-wise – um, we had a wide shot that we used 
just a little bit of, and by the time we cut to it, it was already past it, but there was a big uh, white Russian, like sort of the dregs of a, uh, a Kahlua and, and milk in the foreground. I had a guy with a big giant 10-gallon uh, hat in the background. He's there, but, you know, it's just way in the background. And, um, you know, we set all this stuff up, and we make sure that it's in the shot, and we had, you know, somebody sort of polishing the ball with one of those, you know, ball, you know, like the chamois with the two handles on it. And they're all there, but they're real subtle. Um, uh, and it's like at a certain point you gotta you got to kind of say, well, you know, I don't want to be accused of, I mean, it's you know, you don't want you want you don't want a scene to kind of be about something that it's not, if that makes any sense. So, you know, as much as I wanted to do like very overt homages to the Lebowski, I think I think the one at the very the opening shot of that is sort of the ball the ball ripping down the alley, mm-hmm. and we're right behind the ball. That was something that Harvey had come up with uh, key grip, it's real simple rig and real uh, super easy to pull off. Um, and I think in post-production, Don sped it up a little bit so it looked like it was going twice as fast as it really was. But um, that was sort of, you know, like it, there was a lot of those shots in Lebowski where there was like you're, you're right on the ball or, you know, you're sort of the ball's point of view as you hit the pins. And so we got one. I mean, I think the op- you know, opening that shot that way was, was a lot of fun. And aside from that, you know, I, I really wanted it to be a scene about Metatron trying to recruit this blue-collar guy who's very happy and could go either way and leads an army of his own, and, you know, what are you going to do to impress me? And, you know, okay, if you really want me so bad, let's, uh, you know, whoever, you know, if you can beat me in a game of, uh, you know, bowling, then then I'll go to your side. That's what the scene was about, and it, that you know, so, so yeah, you got, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line between, you know, throwing some homages and Easter eggs and scenes and then making it a scene about something because of the director's ego. So I never want to cross that line. Um, but uh, there, were, there was a ton of other Easter eggs. God, we could go on and on. You know, once once I saw Stairway to Heaven, I thought, well, we could, you know, it'd be fun to have Led Zeppelin references. And there's a bunch of them in there. I mean, the kid in the gas and sip, if you look at his name tag, it's Jimmy P., and there's a big bowl of tangerines in the foreground, which is a Zeppelin song. Um, the ice cream shop was gorgeous. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time in there, but the whole menu board was like, we had like um, custard pie was one of the flavors. I mean, there was a lot of um, Led Zeppelin song title references all through that ice cream shop. Again, you cut it together, and they kind of go by quick, but um, they're there. Um, and the door, when... when um, Sam tries to pick the lock, and then Castiel keeps trying to slam into it to get in the, the original, the door that they, they are led to in Prey, Montana. Um, John Marcinuk, the production designer <clears throat> slash art director, put, um, if you look close, it says um, STHVR1, which is Stairway to Heaven version 1, which is, I didn't even ask him to do that. He just did it, and it was like I saw it, and I just start cracking up. Um, we needed a name of a business next to the ice cream shop when it blows up, and so we wanted to come up with something that was Zeppelin influenced. And so uh, one of the art department like uh, ladies, I, I got it, her name slips, it slips my mind right now, but she goes, "How about whole lot of suds?" So that we, it became a laundromat called Whole Lot of Suds. So there's a ton of those little Zeppelin references all through there, um, and then also the other classic one, if you watch it again, is check out how many times you see either ladders or stairs or like when they go, when they finally get into the fake heaven, the the cups are on the on the table, like for the punch bowler, stacked up, like like a ladder. 
Um, the second time Metatron comes into uh, to his den, we start focused on books st- stacked up like a ladder in the foreground. So there's a lot of that, like ladder and and um, stairs references. If you if you look close, again, you know I, you don't you don't want it to be about that, but uh, but they're fun if if you if you make them subtle enough and you don't hit the audience over the head. Um, but yeah, Lebowski was definitely uh, a, a a big thing when we uh, start talking about the bowling scenes. Yeah. You really totally need to do a, um, you really need to do like a whole DVD commentary where you point out all of the Easter eggs. That would be really cool. Yeah, we should. You, you mm-hmm. can freeze frame you know, or do like pop up video because there there's a bunch there, you know. And sort of, and you want it like we'd have it big in the foreground, and I go, uh, it's a scene about a ladder. This is not good. And so then you know, Greg, the the um, set dresser, and I would go, well, let's put it in the background. So we put it in the background, and Serge would see what we were doing, and he'd silhouette it. So he would make it, it's. Everybody kind of—it's fun because everybody it becomes infectious. Everybody starts looking for ways to put in stairs or ladders or, like the when the kid when we have a wide shot at the gas and sip the kid that's giving them directions to Pray Montana, it's so clear that there's a very gratuitous, like um, step stool ladder, like behind him to the side mm-hmm. of him. It's just for no reason it's there. And then of course you know, it's because guys' stupid idea about having uh, the ladders and stairs easter eggs so um but yeah that, i think that would be a, a really fun thing to do um it'd, it'd be easy to do too because uh they're they're pretty blatantly there if you're looking for them if you're not looking for them then then they're 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 pretty seamless which is sort of the the goal i guess my goal at the end of the day is not not hit the audience over the head and still you know get the information out that needs to be needs to be imparted on the audience so um but i think that I think there's something about to be said about Easter eggs that, uh, as a viewer, you kind of you don't realize you see them, but you do. And so there's a subliminal thing, and it keeps you connected to the story in a different way than the dialogue and the acting do. It pulls well, you in a bit, yeah, and you don't even you, realize you're doing it. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that's exactly sort of my goal. I mean, I always feel like, yeah, I read a script, and here's the scene, and here's the actors in the scene, and these are the props that we need to have there for the scene to happen. And then you get the scene up, you get the, 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 I mean, that's like the given. That's what I always say about, like, race car drivers. It's like, it's a given they can drive fast. What makes a guy, what makes, out of the 33 cars there, what makes the one guy win the race? What, how does that one guy get the advantage? So as a director, I always thought, well, what's going to make my episodes different? Or what, you know, what, what is going to, what, what's going to, for me, is what am I going to get a giggle out of later when I watch it? And it's doing those sort of subliminal, um, you know, shapes and colors and, um, I mean, we, we we leaned a lot on the color uh, on, on gold, not the color gold, but gold. Um, if you notice the bowl, like uh, the the bowler, um, oh god, Ty, Tyrus, the the one they're trying to make the deal with, his, his he's mm-hmm. got a gold a yellow shirt. His uniform. Says, yeah, it says the Saints. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's stuff that you know I worked out with Carrie, the the wardrobe designer. You know, we we threw some ideas down to Jeremy, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, you don't want to get too big because you know we could have put him in that full on. You know, Jesus jumpsuit that uh, you know from Euro <laughs> War, and we pitched that idea that he's just so he's he's like the bowler's bowler. He like likes it so much that he just, I mean, it was already scripted. He's got brand new shoes on and the you know the wrist support and you know the, his league shirt and everything. And um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that's my job. I mean, and and you know, there's a, there's, there's some directors that would say, well, you're stupid you're, you're crazy that doesn't you know you don't need to do that and then there's others that are like yeah absolutely i mean that's that's the language of visual medium and you want to be able to turn off the sound and tell the same story 
without the dialogue. I mean, di- having dialogue is great, but I might, you know, I always, that's always one of my goals as a director is to turn off the sound and am I still following the narrative? And so little stuff like that helps for me. Um, again, some people think I'm crazy, but that's all right. I mean, it's an, it's an art form, it's a medium, and so you do want to add something stylistic to it because, you know, that's, that's I'm sure every project is your baby. Yeah, I, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And not that I'm trying to make my episodes of any particular show stand out, because ultimately as a as a hired gun to come in and do an episode, you know, one of 23 for a season, um, you, you kind of just want to get in there, do a great job and leave, and um, hopefully they'll invite you back. So you don't want to stick out in a bad way. Um, but, yeah, I've always felt like that, that um, that's just part of the job. I mean, all, all my favorite directors, you know, spend a lot of time with uh, – you know, metaphor and, and uh, symbolism. You know, I'm a big fan of symbolism stuff. Even even like it was sort of, you know, the kid that's serving the lady had no dialogue, but we cast an actor because we wanted somebody that could emote where the lady's ordering the, um, the, the ice cream right in the scene one. And we cut to the kid's reaction, and it said he had some goofy, you know, ice cream, you know, related hat on his head. And I said it would be great to just have two cones on the, on the sides, of, you know, like basically like devil horns made out of upside-down, you know, ice cream cones. And so uh, we made a, we made a little mock-up. We took a picture of it. We sent it down to Jeremy, and everybody loved it. But you know, subliminally, it kind of foreshadows. I mean, it's like it looks like devil horns, and something evil is about to happen. And you know, to me, that's a gimme. That and I, when I read a scene, I look for that stuff. I, I it, it, and sometimes it takes me two or three days. I'll read a, I'll read a, uh, a script, and I'll say, "There's something here. I just haven't found it yet, or it hasn't found me yet." And this one was pretty easy in that you know, the second I read. You know that it was you know that probably the you know the, the number one Zeppelin song, which was one of the top three rock and roll bands of all time, and also like on and the you know Billboard or FM charts, it's probably the top requested rock and roll song of all time. I said, well, we you know it's got to be some kind of Zeppelin homage, and then the stairway. I mean, literally, we're we're looking for the stairway to heaven. You know that that was the quest that Castiel was on. To, to he knew this. You know that that. That that was his goal, and of course he gets there, and he's been duped and you know made fun of by uh, by Metatron. But uh, anyway, yeah, um, it's always fun. And all mm-hmm. I could think when like he doesn't like it turns out to not be an actual gateway to heaven. All I could think of uh, was Wayne's World. No stairway denied. Denied. All <laughs> stuck in my head all like through the whole scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, and and that was the thing. I mean, we went back and forth about what would. Metatron do to fuck, you know, to screw with Castiel as, as much as he can and make fun of him for, you know, and so, you know, kind of what we all landed on, you know, I said, you know, we all kind of, you know, different times said it'd be funny if he walked in and it was just like the junior prom version of heaven. And, you know, and, and it was scripted that they were going to use the, um, you know, dancing cheek to cheek, heaven, I'm in heaven. But I, I wanted to use uh, Warrant has a really cheesy song called Heaven. Um, and I just said, you know, like oh, bad, yeah. like bad slow dance music, and like the the world, you know, the um, the mirror ball, and just you know, just streamers and cupids and just cheesy, you know, and exactly what it looked like. I mean, when when uh, John sent me like pictures of it, they were they were we were out on the on the road while they were dressing that, and he was just sending me pictures, you know, just emailing me pictures, and I was like, yes, exactly, clouds, big pieces, of, like. 
like somebody went and bought every cotton ball that they could find in the entire town that that junior prom was happening and glued them all together and hung them off of you know fishing line from the ceiling exactly exactly what it should be and then, so it uh, it you know you it is a major letdown but yeah a hundred percent you know stairway denied um, yeah and I thought was, I know, saw a dog in heaven. Uh, is there a dog on the clouds? I thought I saw one. No, there were some. Like, there like, yeah, there's a dog on a cloud. Yeah, well, yeah, like, like all like, dogs go to heaven, maybe. Yeah, I think it was like there was a balloon that was like, you know, like one of those places you go to where you can get, you know, get well soon. The the mylar balloon mm-hmm. that they blow up with uh, helium. I think they threw something like that in there. But yeah, I mean, the cupids and the clouds were sort of the idea. Like, this is this is a, what a 14 year old who's been char- in, put in charge of decorating the gym for the junior prom this and the theme is heaven this is what their version would be so that was kind of what we came up with and uh you know we're, i thought it were great i mm. i like the dolphins i thought the dolphins were good, good yeah, yeah, yeah there. that's right there were, there were dolphins yeah it was just kind of like mm-hmm. every kind of you know i mean uh, uh you know you could go on and on and then we you know we had a certain that set was something that we had repurposed from a previous episode so we couldn't, you know, we didn't have too many, uh, we couldn't go too outside of the parameters and make it bigger than it needed to be. But, you know, we had the record player and, and of course, the, the, the bad refreshments, um, the punch bowl that somebody's inevitably going to pour something illegal in. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, there you go, heaven. Cheesy heaven. <laughs> I think they had, like, Cheetos as well, so cheesy. <laughs> yeah, like big bowls of chips, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. I have a question about um, the Mark of Cain and the First Blade and Dean. Uh, Jensen, in an interview, said that Dean and the Blade are like a drug to him. Yeah, did you, well, that, did you and Jensen talk about that? Yeah, or? a lot actually, because we, uh, I think, we flew up together on a Sunday night, I think, and like you know, we talked a little bit before we got on the plane, and then. He said, "Hey, you know, once you get done with prep tomorrow night, I, I'm only working like a half a day or whatever. Let's go grab dinner." So we went out and met for dinner, and I said, "Yeah, let me, you know, give me your impression about this this whole market cane thing. How are you playing it? Like when you when you know, because I you know I knew that as he grabbed onto it, it kind of vibrated a little bit in his hand, and he's you know playing sort of an ecstatic look on his face. And he goes, I'm, you know, the best way for me to.'" He goes, because there's a lot of dialogue. I don't think he'd read the script yet because I said there's a lot of dialogue where you're downright rude to your brother and you are you do sort of betray everybody sort of at the end and do something that you shouldn't do. And he goes, well, it's like somebody that's addicted to, you know, a, a, a drug. It, you know, one minute you're fine and you're apologizing and, and, and you, you know, you're, 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 the, you're that person. And then in the next minute when you're, coming down off the high or you're you can see that you may not you know be you know getting your next fix when exactly when you want it you become very mean to people you know the term mean drunk right so he basically approached that whole thing as like it's an addiction it's like um i'm addicted to a a drug that um i need more of because you know it was always described to me as that you know when he when he has that that blade in his hand um, it's this ecstatic feeling that that overcomes him, and he you know kind of loses control. And it's like you know what somebody will do when they're um, when they're tripping out on whatever drug they're into that week. You know, um, so yeah, I mean we did talk about that, and uh, it was a great way to approach it because it, it all kind of made sense. Uh, we've all kind of dealt with people that that have had substance problems, and it uh, 
you know, the, the, the dialogue backed it up and sort of, uh, you know, the way Jensen played it was, his, you know, his actions were kind of like that, you know, like when they come back to the bunker, that, that last scene when he says, you know, this is not a democracy and, um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there was a couple ways to go with it. But um, that that seemed to be the easiest thing for everybody, for at least for him and I and whoever else, anybody else that was you know kind of wondering about what kind of cold this thing has over him, was to treat it like um, an addiction that he's like he can't kick, and it's not getting any better. Yeah, the scene where Dean flips the table out of the way and then puts Flagstaff in the chair down yeah. on the ground was amazing. Um, I, yeah, it was I cool. It was I have cool. to admit that I thought it was hot, but yeah, it was, it was basically <laughs> scripted as as um he 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 reaches across the table, grabs her by the neck, and throws her down on the ground. And um, we had this table; we only had one. And so Jensen said, you know, like almost as a joke, he like reached over and with both hands, you know, to his left and started to yank it. And everybody went, whoa, 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 hold on a second. So they, we checked the bottom of the table, and, you know, we have a great, you know, standby carpenter and grips and everybody, and we kind of said, well, look, you know, we, you may only be able to do this three or four times before this thing, these these legs, I mean, it's a prop table. It wasn't designed to be a stunt table. We would have fortified it or made three of them, had them waiting in the wings. But if we, you know, if we can do this in like three or four takes at the most, the flipping part, we can always cobble it back together and, and make it work. And we don't necessarily need it for the other scenes. We can slide it out of the way. Um, and so uh, that's what we ended up doing. Yeah, they, they sort of fortified it as much as they could. And, um, yeah, because you, you kind of wanted it to go out of no, you know, come, come from out of nowhere and, and go somewhere quick, um, a good, you know, uh, shot, uh, you know, jump scare. And, um, yeah, we're good. We had a, a stunt lady that, that was a dead ringer for our actress, Karin, who took the you know the one big wide shot that she you know she got knocked over in? I think we did it maybe two times and that was it and uh, it worked good, it worked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that was I was actually gonna um, since we you mentioned there the end scene or talked about it a little bit. Can you tell us about that because that's pretty much the craziest we've ever seen Dean. Dean's like gone psycho. Can can you tell us about, um, you know, talk with Jensen and how you decided to film that scene, that scene you know, where after he goes after the drill and they're holding him back and it's just Yeah, it, well, it, it was kind of scripted that way, and there was a line that was um, like a you-go-to-hell kind of line. But it was also kind of scripted where because it, it, was, it, it had a lot of shades and a lot of feeling of the end of Blood Brother when um, – when Dean and Benny come on shore off the boat and um, Sam shakes his hands and Benny's hand and knows immediately that he's a vampire and starts to go for his knife and Dean like shakes his head. Well, we shot that whole thing slow motion. I don't think we did anything at normal speed, like, you know, 24 frames per second is normal speed where you record sound. I think we shot at 40 or 48 frames per second, which is slow motion. It's not super, like, super slow motion, but it, it takes, you know you're in an alternate, you know, it takes the edge off kind of thing. So it was kind of scripted like that because I think everybody really liked the ending of the way, I think it was Blood Brother was the episode. Uh-huh. Everyone liked the end of that, you know, how that kind of went down with the slow motion handshake. So, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to rip off myself. I think we should do that same thing. I mean, we'll get the line at 24 frames, 
but I think it's going to be a lot more effective if you're basically, you know, a pit bull who is going after a pork chop and you are being held back and your eyes roll back in your head and, you know, your fa- if you had fangs, they would come out. And I, said, I just said to Jensen, you got to scare me. This is not going to work unless I'm scared. You know, I need to buy that you're, you've completely lost your mind and the quote-unquote drug has taken hold. And I don't really, you know, I know that 23 picks up pretty much in the same spot. But I said, I don't, you know, I kind of know that, but I don't really need to know what those guys holding you back, how that ends. I mean, I could read it, sure, but, um, and in Tom Wright even wanted, you know, asked if we could cut that scene together because we shot that not near, kind of near the end, but I think there was time for Don Koch, my editor, to to do an assembly and send it back up, you know, with email and attachments and, you know, drop boxes and all that stuff you can send those things back and forth pretty quick now so they had they had cut a version of the scene together but i said yeah i mean it's not going to work unless you absolutely scare me um and we see i mean you know the audience knows you way too well the fans of the show know you way too well we got to see a side that we've never seen I, I don't know how to tell you to do that but you know we did a few takes and i was like holy shit he i mean you know the term he delivered uh, is an understatement, you know, and, and Jensen usually does. I mean, it's it's really rare that there's some something that I feel like we can do better. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was fun. I said we'll get the line, but also I just think. And then I got in the editing room with Don, and I said, you know, it'd be great as right as he does the handshake. The other cool thing we did there was a neat piece in there that we kind of cut out where, if you notice, he reaches for Gadriel's hand to shake his hand with his left hand, and I had his mother noticed that. Yeah, well, and the reason because he had to reach back, we didn't know it yet, but he's going to reach back to get the, you know, the the blade out of his, you know, his waistband in the back. So I had a, a slow motion shot of uh, of Sam kind of taking because it was right through, like across his hands, the hand shaking to Sam, like kind of giving it like a, why is he, you know, of course then it's too late. And I think we cut to the shot, but it's after that we cut to the shot just as Sam kind of realizes what's happening. Um. Because it's almost like too much. I mean, it's like you don't want to put something in there where the audience has to go, wait, hold on, stop. You want it to just kind of flow, and and it does the way the way it worked out. But the other cool thing they did in post, which I don't, I, I in my cut, I didn't even do that. But as they shake hands, basically the soundtrack goes to almost silence. It's mm-hmm. really effective. It, the you know, it's the, the term silence is deafening comes to mind because it's like this is way too quiet to end like this, like, okay, we're going to join forces and the four of us are going to kill Metatron in episode 23. This is, this can't be happening. And of course, you know, what the craziest thing that could happen happens, which is he actually does damage to the one person that could help him, help, help them uh, get rid of Metatron. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, we kind of followed the script. It was great. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, you know, again, sort of ripping off blood brother, which worked well. And um, you know, just talking to Jensen about, I mean, you know, unless unless you're you you go full psycho here, uh, it's not going to work. And and uh, so anyway, I, I think it worked. Um, and I think you know the audience that's seen Dean for 194 episodes will, will, will hopefully will have seen a look on his face that they've never seen before. So I think mm-hmm. I think I hope. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Good. <laughs> yeah, he was snarling like a, like an animal. At one point, I mean, you could see where his, his mouth was and his face. It's like definitely, 
Yeah, it was tough. I mean, the guys, you know, honestly, uh, Misha and, and Jared really had a job holding him back. I mean, you know, we couldn't do a lot of takes because it was like he could he could easily pull out of those guys' arms if they, you know, let their you know let a little bit of strength down for a second. So it was it was, it was kind of wanted to shoot it fast and get it over with because you know I didn't want to keep doing the same thing over and over because it would start to get you know stale for for Jensen. And uh, the guys, you know, holding them back, it was it was a lot of work. How many takes did you do for that one? Uh, you know, not a bunch. Uh, again, Jensen's so good, and, you know, everybody kind of gets it. We did a lot of, you know, right up to the point when he, he gets held because I think we really wanted to, I, I you know, we did a lot of takes of just slow motion of the blade coming out. I wanted to make sure that was real clear. Um, I mean, the, the nice thing is that, you know, that the jawbone, shape is pretty distinct so it's not like it was it was tough telling what kind of knife it was i mean you get you get pretty much get the idea and then also early on we saw that thing you know that the the blade come from his waistband you know when when tessa kind of commits suicide on it so we mm-hmm. knew that you know he had that capability that you know just because he told um Sam earlier, okay, I'll leave the blade here, and he left it. Of course, he doubled back after Sam went to the bathroom and got it, and he at some point must have gone out to the Impala and got it and brought it down into the cell where they were holding Tessa. So, you know, we as an audience, you tease that through the whole thing. You know that he has, he's capable of, you know, sort of bootlegging that thing, and so um, we didn't have to do a lot of takes. Um, you know, when you're doing it in slow motion, you know, you know that, that you, you know, you want to get it on, on you know, in nicely framed and in focus for a certain amount of frames so you can cut to it. Because if it goes through frame too quick, then it's not going to work. If it goes through too slow, it looks like somebody, you know, showing it to the camera, which is always, you know, a fine line. You don't want it to look too uh, stagey. But, uh, yeah, I think we, we got to that scene. It was a big scene, I mean, because it was a lot of moving parts. Even though it was one scene, it was they come down the stairs. There's your stairway. They come down the stairs. They uh, Sam and Dean argue a little bit, and you know Sam runs down to the bunk, or down to his bunk in a, in a huff. Dean softens, comes up, talks to Cass. You know how's your how your batteries? Um, you know we you, know, you think the three of us can do it well. It's all we've always been enough in the past. And then the whole idea of Gadriel getting in there was always like a, a, we had talked about. Well isn't this place warded against him? And it's like, well, yeah, but he also spent a lot of time in Sam's body, so he kind of knows how to get in there. So we just sort of played play it as footprints that get their, you know, for, you know, the sound of footprints that get their attention. And we had Sam pop out at the same time saying, guys, so it all kind of worked out great, you know, in that main area there where the big map is. Um, but it was a lot It was a lot of setups, a lot of time to shoot that scene. But, you know, it was the last scene of the movie, and, and you can't skip on that. You know, you can't, you can't just go through it quick and go, ah, oh, it'll be good enough because if you don't have the pieces in the editing room, uh, that's uh, not a good thing for, not a good feeling for a director. Yeah, and it, it was it was a huge scene, you know, kind of really setting up the season finale there, so. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. This um, is not the first episode you directed where the, where the brothers are having a major conflict, but you mentioned that you told Jensen, you know, your, your character's quite rude, in this scene, so what were was there any difference in as far as like the way you set up shots and the notes that you had for this particular conflict? No, it's almost like 
you know, sort of how he, he the, you know, like he's he's pretty nice to him at the beginning when he says, let's just keep the blade here, you know. I mean, just just, just use it for the when we need the, you know, the big bads, uh, you know, Crowley, Metatron. What do you say? And he goes, okay, fine. He goes, I'm fine, you know, I'm fan-freaking-tastic. He, he sort of, he's sort of, you know, telling him what he wants to hear. But, you know, of course, we know as an audience that, that you know, it can't be that easy. It's not going to be that easy. But I think when we got to that, I think, you know, the, the, the only bit of direction was probably you've probably rehearsed this. You've probably said this in your head, you know, because we had that scene with the three of them. Um, it was literally the three of them drive in silence, you know, one-eighth of a page on the script um, where, where they're, you know, driving back to the bunker, you know, to Mental Letters after, you know, the whole uh, thing at the Angel headquarters. And so in that, you know, it's sort of that thing where you, you're rehearsing what you're going to say, like you're about to quit your job and you're driving there and you're like, first of all, I just want to say this. Uh, this was a wonderful job when I started. You know, you just rehearse it over and over. So I said, once you once you turn on him, when you guys get to the bottom of the stairs and, you know, the map area of mental letters, I think the faster you go through it um, and, and, and the more you've talked yourself into, I'm not going to soften here. I know he's my brother. I'm not going to soften. I'm, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get out what I need to get out and, tough if he doesn't like it you know because he says you you know something about you're being an infant you were being an infant of course i'm not going to you know i'm not i'm going to bring the thing so um but i mean you know again uh, all these years later and jensen and jared being as good as they are they sort of get it uh, you know and you just you, you kind of run through it in rehearsal one time and you know if there's anything you know that doesn't feel right one of us will kind of go eh, what if you did it this way and, and you know within it's sort of you live and die in TV by how quick you kind of block and 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 talk about where everybody's going to go, so you can walk off to the side while Serge and his crew can then light and do what they need to do. So we're pretty good. I mean, because we, we've all done this so many times, we're all pretty good at saying, um, "All right, well, this is kind of the idea. Well, this is what we'll do. We can talk off to the side about anything we want to talk about, or you know, take one when we actually shoot it." If it doesn't feel right, we can you know f- figure something out. But but nine times out of ten, is we pretty much have it down, just in the first couple you know readings of the words you know where we're looking at our sides and talking about you go here, you go here, um, and it's you know that's the the best way to work because you're not you're not spinning your wheels. You're actually you know uh, most of your day of you know your production day is is moving forward. Because I've certainly been on shows where things grind to a halt because somebody wants to talk or somebody's not quite sure or, or this isn't working. And so it's, it's refreshing with those guys. It's just always sort of fall together. And if it doesn't, it, you figure it out really quick. And kind of to change to a different scene, uh, at the begin, uh, towards the beginning when Sam and Dean first show up at the uh, ice cream shop, uh, we find out that um, Castiel has, Named them Agent Spears and Aguilera. Yeah, <laughs> that was, there's, a, there's that was... a piece. There's a piece we cut out too, unfortunately, where that same cop, the female cop, comes in and she goes, uh, "Agent uh, Cyrus, everything okay?" And he goes, "Yes, everything's fine." And we cut it out. <laughs> um, I liked it. It was in my cut. You know, and I said it would be fun. I, and then of course, Misha and I look at each other and it'd be funny if he goes, "Yes, Officer Gaga, everything's fine." Um, but they, we knew we not to do that. Um, but yeah, there, that that was a scripted thing where she goes, uh, where she comes. Oh, she goes. Yeah, she comes in. She goes, uh, Agent uh, Cyrus, everything okay? And he goes, oh, yes, everything's fine. Thank you. Um, so it's fine. Oh, I wish so, that. So the idea is that when he got there, he introduced himself as Agent Cyrus, and I'm waiting for my two uh, 
you know, my two associates, Spears and Aguilera, to show up. So if you see them, send them my way. But uh, you know, it's a bummer. The, the the other the other bummer of the whole thing is there was a you know that we have that. If you notice that scene in the gas and sip where they get the information from Jimmy P, is really short. The scene was double that length because once he gives them the the, the directions, Sam heads out to the car, and uh, and uh, Castiel, being a former gas and sip employee, looks around and sees that it's messy, and he starts just berating the kid about the uh, the gas and sip employee manual specifically states that all areas must be clean and tidy around the cash register, and then he walks over to the newsstand and we had a bunch of um, uh, God, I guess busty Asian beauties or all these, you know, girly mags. And he goes, and any uh, offensive material must be, and he straightens up the thing, and he goes, I think his last line, and of course Misha just, I was in tears laughing because he just nailed this. He says something about, you're an employee, respect it, something like that. And he leaves in a huff, and we cut to the kid going, who the hell are you? But it was great. <laughs> hopefully hopefully that will be on the DVD because it was only in like an extra 20 seconds of screen time, but they, they, they trimmed it for time, unfortunately. But, uh, oh, I, really, would have, I would have liked that. It's really <laughs> yeah. funny. It was, it, was, it was a nice little bit of comedy in the, in the middle of a very serious, um, you know, anyway. But, uh, and a, yeah. great, a great piece of continuity there, too, reminding us about what he was doing when he was human. I love it. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was because while the kid's writing down the, um, the Prey Montana address, um, you see him just his head's on a swivel looking around, and he just can't take it. As Sam's, you know, beelines it out to the uh, we call it the pimp mobile, that big Lincoln Continental. Um, he starts to go to the door, and he just can't take it. And he just, yeah. Uh, then that final line, right as he's walking out, where he goes, "You wear the uniform, respect it." So great. <laughs> anyway. Well, it's um, also a good character moment because Cass is that pedantic. So yeah, it, it's it's a good character moment. But hopefully, it'll show up on an extra somewhere. I, I hope it does because you know. I mean, again, it's like you know, as a director, you kind of fall in love with every one of your images, and you know, the writer falls in love with every one of their words. But also, mm-hmm. uh, we always say to each other, you know, you can't miss something that you never saw in the first place. So we'll miss it, but the 900 million people that are going to watch it when it hits the air and on DVD and all that, they'll never miss it. So that, but that was, you know, that one that was a little painful, but. It, again, saying it was a, a lean and mean tight script was uh, it was true because I only came in about four minutes over, and um, that's wow. that's sort of where you want to be. I mean, uh, you don't want it to be too tight to airtime, and you don't want, of course, eight to ten, fifteen minutes over. That's really painful because again, that's a day's worth of work. But four minutes came out pretty easily. But that 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 hit the chopping block, and there's a couple little trims. There was another scene in the Angel headquarters after. Um, Dean says, you know, yeah, you can go, you know, try and find um, Josiah, but you're taking Sam with you, where um, the two boys come down a set of stairs. <laughs> and um, he says, what do you think about all this? And, you know, this, and you know, they just kind of, you know, compare notes. And he goes, just keep an eye on him, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and then we cut to a quick thing of Misha and, um, and or Hannah and Castiel and Hannah goes, I don't know about him coming with you. I don't trust him. And he goes, and Castiel says something to the effect of, um, they're a little rough around the edges, but they're the two finest men I've ever known, or something like that. It was, it was a nice, tender little moment. But again, it didn't really. Fr- you, you, you could clearly you could cut it out of the show, and you would never miss it. But you know that might be something that shows up somewhere down the line in a DVD extra. I don't know. I don't know how they deem those things, you know, worthy or not. Do you, this has been driving me crazy ever since I watched the episode, 
I don't know if you remember her. Na- I don't know if you ever remember her name, but if you do, it would be, it would be a great help. The actress who played the mom in the ice cream shop. She is mm-hmm. so familiar, but I can't think of her name. Uh, I can't. I can't off offhand. Um, she was really good because it was sort of that that sort of alpha, you know, uh, you know, somebody that's high maintenance and doesn't realize it. Um, and you know, we 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 lingered in that long wide master to kind of you know orient the audience and you know sort of it kind of took up almost all her dialogue because she got through it so quick. I don't remember. Um, but uh, you know she's a local. She's probably popped up on a lot of the uh, Vancouver-based shows, mm-hmm. um, and you know which there's no shortage. Um, but yeah, I had some I had some really good day players like uh, Fawn who played um, you know Josiah. We basically only saw a picture of him on his his ID on the computer and you know at the gas and sip, and then the next time we saw him in real life, he was basically a crispy critter. That was mm-hmm. like four four or five hours of being in the makeup trailer. He looked great. And I and I kept saying to the audience because he auditioned for me, so I kept saying to the to the crew, Vaughn's a really handsome guy, everybody. <laughs> I feel bad. And so, so when we wrapped him, I said, okay, Vaughn's done for the day. I said, when you take all this crap off, clean up and come back in because I want I want you to say hi to everybody because they they're ne- they'll never recognize you. And I want and so he came back in and everyone because he did. It was great. It was so he sort of brought tears to some people's eyes with his little speech at the end there. Um, and then, yeah, then visual effects may have, literally had his eyes milk up and go roll back in his head. That was kind of cool. I wasn't expecting that. That mm-hmm. was, because uh, he, yeah, he that was that, really creepy. Well, that's the one thing we noticed yeah. when you know, his he was so charred from the whatever the holy oil burning him, you know, almost to death. But his eyeballs were nice and bright and white, and his teeth were nice and bright. And I was like, well, maybe he closed his eyes. Creepy. Yeah, I said maybe he closed his eyes and closed his mouth, but I, I knew they, you know, visual effects had the ability to help us out there, so they did. It was great. So it was a pleasant surprise. Um, we had a guy Troy who was the first um, angel that sacrificed himself, and uh, he, you know, I mean, those those kind of scenes are tough to do because you're coming into the sequence. I mean, it makes no sense to anybody that's unless you're, you know, a fan of the show. I mean, to come in and say, well, why? Who? And of course, when we auditioned him. The sides that he read, it was something like, I do this for Larry. It wasn't, you know, you don't put Castell in there. We don't want to spoil it. So it was like, so it was like I, felt, you know, I felt bad when they auditioned because, like, you know, Jim Michaels and I are sitting there going, Larry, who the hell is Larry? Uh, or whatever it was. I guess. But, um, but uh, yeah, there was, I had a really good uh, crop of, you know, my, the guy that my bowler, Kevin, he was great. He had just done an episode of Fargo, so he was really stoked about that and wanted me to watch his episode of Fargo. And, um, but I don't remember her name. I, I'm sure if you um, looked at you know the IMDb credits, she's uh, she's done quite a bit of work in Vancouver. She was really good. And of course, we had to toast out her eyes a little bit there at the end. Unfortunately, she's not listed on IMDb yet for this really? episode of her character. Hmm. But so, if anybody listening knows who that actress was, please tweet us and let us know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. the The fun thing, and I think I I, I said this to somebody about. Um, in the previous episode, Gordon Wolvett was um, my deputy in Frontierland, and uh, mm-hmm. he played uh, God in, in PJ's episode, the previous episode to mine. He played uh, I can't remember his character's name now, but uh, but he was he basically they found him dead in that interrogation. You know, he was the angel that was bragging about the little out. angel mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, yeah. So Gordon, yeah, Gordon, I was excited. I, I wanted to get down to the set, and it just didn't work out. And say hi to Gordon because uh, he was really good in Frontierland. And so, anyway, um, another another Vancouver legend up there. 
Yeah, he did a great yeah. job last week. Yeah, he yeah. was great. He's solid. I mean, he's like one of those guys that, you know, you can, for a casting director, they can bring him in and do anything. You know, he can play, he can do comic relief. He can be a bad guy. He can be, you know, slick jerk, douchey guy. I mean, he can do it all. So it's, it's uh, those are my favorite actors that, that are sort of character, whatever you need me to do, I'm good at. You know, John C. Riley, those kind of character actors are always my favorite. Um, I have a question that you might not be able to answer because you didn't write the script. All right. But um, there, there was this season has done a lot more breaking the wall than most seasons in general have done, and so there was a little bit of concern from fandom over the scenes about you know Castiel having a cult and was it commentary on us and was it? Um. You say like breaking the law, like um, like the like um, things that have been established in the past in the show are literally breaking the law. No, breaking the wall, like between the viewers and the. Oh, the wall. Yeah, and so you know, a lot of people were like, "Are they kind of winking at us with this whole cult of Castiel thing?" Because we are an intense fan base. We're we're really you know, intense. I don't know. I I really don't. I mean. Um, you know, again, I. You know, it's funny because, like on Twitter, people will, will send me things about you have to do this or there. You have to. And I'm like, well, I, guys, I mean, I'd love to. I'm just a guest, and believe me, I, you know, I'd be the first one to jump on and, and become part of the, you know, producing directing team in a second. But that's not kind of the way it works. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know what are the things that are discussed in, in writers' meetings. I mean, I kind of almost just have to worry about making my episodes the best they can be and, and not. Not break any rules, and you know, every, the the crew and the and you know, of course the the boys will always keep me honest about, you know, and, and it, what's great is like when you work on a show and you go, you know, it'd be cool to do this, and they'll go, you know, just two episodes ago we did that exact same shot, and I'll say, oh, well, then let's not do that. Um, it just happens, you know. Um, so I don't, you know, I can't. You're right, I can't really answer that. Um, I mean, there's a, a little bit of art imitating life, I think, all the time. I mean, you know, the, I think in the saga of the show, whether it was the French mistake or there was an episode where the guys go to a convention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there, I mean, it, it, what I always liked about stuff like that is it's it's a very unique thing for this show. There's not a lot of, you know, shows that have run this long that can still do that every now and again and the fans still like it. Um, and I know, like, there, you know, there's you get mixed reviews on on like you know Robbie did wrote that episode that was sort of like um you know Blair Witch like found found footage episode. Oh, bitten, yeah. Yeah, you know, but you know, it's this kind of show where you can try that stuff, and um, you know, 50% of the people are gonna say, eh, it was a stumble, and the other 50% are go, man, it was a it was it was a you know refreshing thing to do, and um, no, I mean that's the one thing about the show that that makes it so unique is that there is sort of um, the 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 lines can get crossed and the wall can break down a little bit. Not all the time, and um, you know they can go. I mean, shit, bloodlines was completely out of everything that happened this whole season, where the guys sort of got you know distracted and you know made a run to Chicago to help out something. Um, you know, so and you can do that within the show. Like it doesn't have to be so serialized. Um, so I hope that kind of answers that. But, I, you know, I think, you know, again, if I sat in, a, in writers' rooms meetings, I would hear a lot more. I mean, I know the, those guys are pretty social media savvy, but at the same time, they almost have to ignore everything that's told to them because 
Oh yeah. If you start, you know, it, it's it's you know, it's it's the cart leading the horse. So they they kind of have to stick with what they talked about. Like I know, for instance, Monday this Monday, like three days from now, there the writers' room opens for season ten. So you know, we just kind of just stop shooting. So those guys don't get much of a break. Wow. A lot of the a lot of this stuff is broken. What are they going to be? It's going to be May. 20th or something and you know to to start July. So they'll I mean the first 4 5 6 episodes will be broken and the first 2 or 3 will be written before they start shooting. So um it's a, it's a big juggernaut of a train that's rolling down the track. So you know a lot of that stuff gets gets talked about early on and you know but you know but then again what that's kind of the wonderful thing about episodic TV is it's 23 movies that you can do and really, you know, whereas a regular movie is two hours, maybe two hours and 15 minutes, beginning, middle, and end, episodic kind of takes on a life of its own. So there may be something that happens in episode two, three, and four that you go, hey, that's kind of a neat thing, and let's, we didn't expect it, but let's ride with it, and so let's bring that back for, you know, see episode seven, eight, nine, or let's make that one of the big bad things at the last two episodes. I mean, that's always fun. Like, you know, you'll have a, a monster of the week that, just like leapt leapt off the screen and everybody kind of responds and goes, well, let's get that person back. So it happens all the time, you know. It's good. That's what's fun about episodic. So I don't know if that answered anything. I probably just confused you more than anything, but anyway. I wasn't honestly expecting an answer. It was, (laughs) I really, really wasn't. So (laughs) I was like, if you know, cool, but I, hmm. I would imagine it's something that even if that was the intention that that's something a writer would kind of play close to the vest because it would come out on the screen differently. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Um, well, you know, I mean, the, all I can say is if, if there's anything that's like, you know, art imitating life, it's 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 just, it's all done in the name of you know the, the the power and the strength and the loyalty and the love that the that the fans of the show have for. You know the writers, of course, and 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 the, the cast, and so you know it's it, it, it's it would only be a good thing. I don't think there's there's there would ever be any anything disrespectful. I don't know. I mean, again, I kind of come in and and play a little bit and then leave again. So I you know, I'm not there day to day, and and certainly you know it would be a different world if I was there day to day. I would know a lot more, have a lot more information. I. I wanted to ask you real quick about the um, scene with Dean and Castiel going through the tunnels on the way to the Heaven Room, uh-huh. and you got the whole um, Indiana Jones thing going on. Right. Um, can you tell, tell us about filming that scene, especially when the blades come out? I assume the blades are CGI. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something that Andrew had asked um, Mark Malosh and Ryan Curse about and uh, said, you know, what if we did something like a booby trap a la, you know, Last Crusade? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Mark was remarkable. He's completely on board with everything. But he goes, yeah, it's not that difficult a thing to do. So they kind of wrote, like, the series of hallways. And those hallways were, we shot that the same day as the bowling. We did the two scenes of the boys in the hallway, and then we let them go at lunch, and then we did the bowling stuff after lunch. Um, Because it was all, it's a bowling alley and a hotel and a convention kind of thing and, like, a ballroom and a, garage parking garage and all that so we found these hallways that were sort of like almost like these hallways that you, you know, like one was for for um just access for like the caterers and stuff to go get in and out and the other one was just like almost like a 
like a fire escape. And of course, we did our art department thing to them, and we sh- we we like made them skinnier, and we made we built the boxes that basically had the blades contained in them. And um, you know, I had always described that that as once he once Sam reads the uh, the, the pen, you know the the penitent man. I can't remember what the quote is, but basically he he, he puts two and two together that you you better you better bow down or you're going to get your head cut off. We did, there's a little bit of a shot in there where you see like um, some cobwebs start to move, like some air is moving, like they're spinning up. And I had always talked about having a little bit of a sound effect. I don't, I don't know if that sound effect actually made it to the final cut, but the idea of it just kind of whirring up, like whatever device he tri- that you know Castiel triggered by walking that extra foot or two feet. Um, but I, it worked pretty good. I mean, we shot that kind of quick. I wanted to make sure I had enough angles to kind of sell the idea that these blades, if you you know, if he didn't duck, he'd, he'd be dead, or if he was in the middle of it, it would have cut him in half. And so, uh, so yeah, those worked pretty good. I mean, you know, we we made the hallways really dark, keep it mysterious, and then we, you know, when we when we actually see that door, we we um, we built that plug at the end, the the door to to heaven. Um, Serge really blasted it from behind with um you know, shafts of light, and we smoked up the hallway so you get those nice, clean shafts of, uh, you know, the, you, piercing light through the window. And then we just matched sort of that same door and door frame on stage. Uh, worked pretty good because we just carried the mirror ball with us. And so when the boys walked through it on location, we hit them with that mirror ball effect um, that carried through well When we, you know, because like two or three days later we shot on stage the actual, you know, the heaven the junior prom uh, room, um, but yeah, oh, the wow. whole yeah, yeah, looks, yeah. There's two different. You never would have guessed it was t- totally different. Yeah, they match perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Well, look, I mean, that's the part of the one of the addicting things about what you know I get to do for a living is when you pull that stuff off, and it works, and you go, wow, I worried, I really pulled my hair out, worried that it wasn't going to match, but you know, of course, you you know, you're in, you know, with Jerry Wanick and Serge, you know, they're never going to let you know they're. They're they're too good to to let anything not look continuous, you know. So I I don't worry because we you know we're all we've done this enough now. Um, so yeah, it, it does match good and uh, so yeah, we actually shot those two scenes pretty pretty quickly considering that you know the guys you know goof off a lot. I mean a lot, um, but uh, <laughs> we always we always tend to get it done. Yeah, that scene in the office of the Angel headquarters when he talks about you know what. You know, after after they see the video of the the, the you know the first uh, angel sacrifice himself, and Sam goes, "Hey, can we take this somewhere private?" That scene where they're questioning Castiel, I don't know how we got through that scene because Jared and Jensen were just bound and determined to not let Misha get one or two lines out without laughing. And the things that evil. So it was they, that scene. Because Nisha talked about that at DCCon, and we weren't sure if it was that scene that he was talking about or there's a similar scene in the previous episode where he just said that they made it their day's goal to not let him get his lines out. Yeah, I, I think it was, you know, we just got back from lunch, and I, I, I look up and I see, I see Brad Creaser in Jensen's spot. I'm like, what's he doing there? Who's operating the camera? And I walk in, and Jensen in full suit is operating the camera, and he's actually pretty good. Um, and it was just everybody was just like uh, it might have been a Friday and everybody was like in a good mood or something. But uh, yeah, it's like the things that were happening off camera and behind camera that and the things that were being the evil things that were happening to Misha just below the frame. I can't even describe on on network TV. But anyway, you got through it. I mean, you never know. I mean, we, I, you know. Oh, I, Misha I, told us. <laughs> at a certain Misha point, was I just candid. Kind of, 
I just kind of said, look, I'm going to issue a challenge here. Let's get, it would be fun, let's just get through one all the way through, and then once we get that, then we can goof off. And then, uh, then I think everyone went, oh, yeah, well, we really haven't gotten one yet, not even close. So we get it. We got through it. It was tough. <laughs> oh, those guys are crazy. Speaking of all that, mm-hmm. was there a lot, you know, other things for the gag reel maybe? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that God, just that that scene alone is, is like an hour's worth of bad stuff. But okay, here's <laughs> another good one. Now, when the boys first walk into Angel headquarters, and they're like Commander, and everybody's turning and like showing their allegiance to Misha and her to Castiel, and uh, Dean says something like, oh, "This is just too creepy." Um, Sam's got a big box of evidence, and one of the things that's in there is that the the kind of charred baseball cap of the the guy you know, with the devil the, the ice cream cone devil horns, and so um, I wanted to have that kind of on top, so you kind of remind the audience remind you know was reminded where they're coming from, you know just visual reminders and you know we had the cell phone that the you know the kid with the you the you know the YouTube video there or the kid going to eat you know who's going to eat the bowl of sprinkles that just happened to be there that caught the video, we cut some of his dialogue out, but the whole idea was that he was saying. He was trying to do a, a video to get on YouTube about I'm going to eat a whole pound of sprinkles here, so that got truncated a little bit. But um, so we get we get a couple of good takes of guys coming in, and I said I just said to Jared, I go, you know that hat sitting on top? I go, will you wear it? And he goes, yeah. So I go, okay, guys, one more. And I don't tell anybody. And so as they come walking in, of course, Brad Creaser who's right there with me, as he as Jared comes walking in, you know, he's six five now, he's like six eleven with the with the ice cream cones on. <laughs> Brad adjusts perfectly for the headroom, so he keeps the cones in the frame. And the guys go through the scene, the exact same scene, just dead serious. So hopefully that'll make because there's nothing funnier than watching six foot five guy in a suit with an ice cream cone hat on play the scene dead serious. So that that was one where I was I was responsible for goading them into a. So that that's got to hopefully that'll make the uh, gag reel because that was really funny. Oh, but, I hope so. We got to see that. I mean, the best part was, all, you know, only Jared and I knew it was going to happen. I said, all right, let's just do one more right away, and then we'll go tighter, do something better, you know, something next. We'll move move the camera, I swear. And, and and Jared winks at me, and I go, okay, ready, okay, and go. And so they come through the door with that hat on. It was great. <laughs> uh, one other thing I noticed, um, going with your stairway Easter eggs, I wonder, there was a lot of scenes where the camera was below looking up, and you see the ceilings and things like that. Was that kind of one of your stairway Easter eggs, stairway to heaven Easter eggs? Um, you know, I kept saying, you know, that there should always be this theme of ascending, like always moving up or trying to get get higher. So yeah, I mean, we did go, we we did a couple extra low shots, like when the, the first shot of the guys coming through, you know, right before the blades come out of the wall. Um, we use this thing called the snorkel, which basically puts the lens right on the deck like lower than if you put the camera on the deck. We use a lot on arrow for these low wide masters. And yeah, subsequently it forces you into the ceiling. Well, that forced, that was a real hallway so we could do that. A lot of times you can't get that low because you if you've built a set, you know, there's lights and stuff up there and so um, you know, flags and grip equipment. So um yeah, that that was one we went really low and then we used the underslung head when um when they come into the ice cream shop and he, he lifts, you see Castiel lift up the thing and said, um, this, this was one of mine, good soldier. He doesn't say he is or she is because you, you don't want to know if it's the little girl or, um, or, the, guy, or the guy with the, you know, that, that, the angel that sacrificed himself. 
so we got super low there, but we had designed it where the part of when the place blew up, when he sacrificed himself, we um, had, you know, fluorescent lights dangling and kind of flickering on and off, and this, those, uh, you know, acoustic ceiling tiles, we, we could, it was a real, um, a, you know, it was, at one point it was a business, but it was empty that we took over and turned into the ice, did, turned it into Colonel Scoops. Um, <laughs> so we, we had carte blanche to, to uh, start, you know, moving ceiling panels. So knowing that I could look up there, I said, well, let's get super low, and like, as he, you know, he'll hold the, uh, the sheet up in the foreground. Um, I, you know, but I don't think that's anything out of the ordinary for this episode. I would always, I think I would always do that if I knew I could shoot, you know, low and wide like that. Um, I think we looked, we looked up a little bit in the, you know, the junior prom heaven, but it was so dark off the set that you couldn't tell where you were. So um, it just looked like it went off into nothingness. So that that worked out all right. But yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think I, I would have done that regardless of that wasn't really part of any kind of theme but yeah i know that i was always talking about it, we should always have stairs and ascending and i you know like the one scene we we cut out of the guy the boys coming out of the uh angel headquarter like castile's office we start on their feet coming downstairs and um yeah and if, if you if you watch it again just in the background in silhouettes or in the angel headquarters there's all these rolling ladders that you know, you're constantly in the in our shots All right, let's take some calls. Just kidding. <laughs> if you want, if you want, we can. <laughs> no, I, I, I get well, sick we of hearing my voice. <laughs> yeah, we we can't screen calls, so we make no promises. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, it's up to, so, it's up to you guys. Um, <laughs> it, it's totally up to you. We we can't. We don't know what you know. We can't screen the calls. So we don't know what the questions will be. So. Um. I'll, yeah. Um. All right. Is that is that a recipe for disaster? Often, <laughs> often it is. Um, possibly. <laughs> oh, I don't um, know. Did anybody, did anybody ask questions on Twitter that I haven't gotten to? Uh, mostly people have been commenting about how much they're loving the podcast. Everybody's oh, been talking about how, how much they're having fun listening, and I've been retweeting a few of them. Um, I haven't said um and uh too many times. I think I've made up for that. For you saying it, I, I've done it. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I have, I have a question. See, there's an home right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ladders. Once you start looking for them, they're there. Yeah. Um, I had a question. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I'm already here. Um, uh, about... Cass's command center, Angel Headquarters. Yes. That's, I, watching those scenes, I'm, I was thinking that for, for Supernatural, that's a really big, active, kind of complicated set. Yeah. Is that like a whole other set of challenges? And it's also something very different for Supernatural. Yeah, it's, it's a great space. I, I mean, hopefully they'll use it again uh, because I, mean, I don't know how long it's going to be available to uh, to the production. I know other play, other shows have shot in there. It's a I think uh, decommissioned BC Hydro, which is basically the electric company um, of, you know, of Vancouver, Greater Vancouver, and all those like lights and everything on the. I mean, we we put our own Christmas lights in the holes, but they were at one point when it was active, it was a grid of the entire city of Vancouver, and it, you know, it was the electric company. Um, it's it's kind of cool. abandoned now, but um, it's a great location. 
and a great set, and, and they, we built that office in the middle, you know, Castiel's office. Um, but, the, but a lot of those desks and a lot of the workspaces, we couldn't move. They were like 1,000 pounds. So, like, where they're sit, where they're, um, people were sitting at desks and, like, when, when uh, Metatron came up on the monitor, you know, we, you know, typically you would, you would cheat desks out of the way and put the monitor closer or whatever. Well, we, we just simply couldn't move the desks. So, so a lot of the, you know, the original set dressing is still in there. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a few extras background, um, but we kind of needed, you know, if we're, gonna, we're selling the idea of he's put an army together, you can't have, you know, three dudes and a girl walk through. You know, we kind of had to have a lot of those people moving and grooving. I think uh, the previous episode established it, PJ's episode, and um, and I got to shoot in there. It was an entire day of work, but it, it worked out great. The other thing is, like, we knew when um, Metatron, you know, basically Skypes in, and, you know, for that scene at the end there when he, uh, you know, he, he, he sort of spills the beans on uh, on Castiel and, everybody, and all the angels turn on him, Typically, you would shoot that on two different days. You would do you would shoot Curtis at the, at his real desk at the set, which is on stage, and then you would have it play back, and you would have the actors kind of talk to playback. And I really resisted doing that. I said, "Why can't we just take?" And everybody was on board with me. Take the back wall of the set, Metatron's den set, and the desk, and we'll bring it with us, and we'll shoot him like down the hallway and behind a closed door, so they can't hear each other. And we'll do a live feed where literally the camera that's on Curtis is a real live camera, and our guys are interacting. We have they got a speaker out there to hear Curtis's voice, and Curtis can hear them talking back with a speaker and a microphone. It's pretty you know simple to do, um, but um, you know it's a little there's some logistics, and you know you want to make sure when you're ready to shoot that they're like, well we can't get the microphone working. So we tested it, and it all worked great, and so that worked just gangbusters, and and that and and. I like doing it. I mean, I'm so glad, you know, I sort of stuck to my guns. and Not that I got a lot of resistance or anything, but um, it, it worked out great. And, and um, by the way, like all that dialogue that Curtis had, um, one of our ADs, Gabe, was in there with him in that room. And I said, I said, man, that was impressive. I mean, how many, you know, did he, was he constantly looking at a script? And he goes, no, nah, he looked down maybe once. You know, I mean, he, he, uh, he just kind of went through that. We probably did seven or eight takes of that whole entire speech. You know, you know, where wow. it says, ah, Dean, always with the 80s action hero dialogue or whatever he said. But, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was it was fun to do that um, on location. That was, you know, it was a full day. Um, but, yeah, it's a great set. I, and, you know, maybe after episode 23 they, they might not ever go back, or after episode 22 they might not ever have to go back to Angel Headquarters again. It just might simply not exist. But, um, yeah, Art Department did an amazing job on that, and the electricians really – got in there and, and wired the place and uh again that office in the middle was completely our build um yeah phenomenal fun to shoot at very cool uh, we have a question from twitter from uh pika or pika mouse i'm i'm saying it wrong i'm sorry pika mouse 05 right. wants to know what was the most difficult scene for you during the episode and what was your favorite scene to shoot Oh God! Uh, difficult. You know, for, just because there was a lot of CGI and a lot of talking about what the, what it's going to look like. Of course, I had Mark and Ryan with me, so I'm, I'm you know you're in good hands. But probably the blades. Just you know, it was the first scene of the day, and we had talked about it one time because I thought well, it could be fun. My original thing in my head was that 
what if Castiel walks into a zone and it triggers something, Sam figures it out, and he either has to pull him back or push him. But in any event, there's a blade coming up from the ground. And what it does is it separates them. So I, I pictured like a six-foot blade popping up from the ground or coming out of the ceiling. And then, you know, we said, well, you know, that could work, and it would separate the boys for a second, and then it could retract at the end to let Sam through. Um, and then I think as we got closer to starting to shoot, we said, you know, we really, I mean, if, if we're talking about, because it's in the script as an homage to Last Crusade, and I think that's Sam's last line, and he goes, okay, Last Crusade, as he's leaving the, the, as he's exiting the frame. So I said we really should match pretty close to what is in, um, you know, the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. And so uh, so we changed some stuff near the end there, so we had to go back down there and remeasure and, and um, you know, just build these boxes that where the blades came out um, horizontally instead of my crazy idea of come, one coming up vertically. Um, so that might have been the diff, most difficult one. It wasn't too tough to shoot. Um, and went pretty well, but just because you're you're trying to visualize where the blades are, and uh, and the nice thing is that that Mark provided Don sort of a temp, like almost like a um, previs of what the blades are going to look like, so Don knew what order to cut the the footage in. So uh, that was great that he was able to provide that you know sort of a temp idea of what what they were going to do while they're working on the real spinning blade gag. Um, I guess what the other part of that was the easiest one to shoot or the most fun. Your your favorite. Um, God, I don't know. I mean, uh, trying to think of all the locations and uh, yeah, I mean they're all they're all pretty fun. I mean, I I, I kind of liked. Uh, the you know when when like an early scene when when after he wakes Sam up Dean's up there packing the bag and we start we kind of feel the blade big in the foreground we dolly back and you know Sam's got a fresh cup of coffee and you know it's maybe combed his hair a little bit with a rake and um, <laughs> they start talking you know they talk and he goes you know the, the, it's the fan friggantastic scene where he goes come on man let's just you know let, do we really need it I just thought that was a, a, a good and I had a little thing where at the end where as, as Dean walks past him. And Sam turns his back. We dolly back in on the onto the blade and fill the frame with the blade. You kind of don't need it because you you know you know as an audience you're pretty sure that he's not going to go that easy without taking that thing with him. Now that they've gone to all the trouble to get it, um, so uh, we cut out of that a little early. But um, yeah, that might have been my favorite to, to, to shoot. You know, it's just you know standing set, mental letters. We all like that set. It's comfortable. It's um. It was a good one with the boys, and you know that's it's sort of it was like okay now the now the the train is moving now we got a mission and we're going and you know just got you know cast just gave us you know, something we got to go look at and so that, that that felt that felt comfortable to shoot. One Tara Rod on Twitter. Her uh-huh. question. I'm, I'm going to read her question word for word. It starts okay. with uh. It starts with um. Uh, (laughs) idea on how many episodes guy will direct for season 10 and how is this decision made uh you know there's a lot of competition i mean it's um i mean it looks we're starting to get you know my my agents are starting to get calls for you know the next season and i don't want to jinx things but i I mean it looks like i'll be back i don't know how many times 
might still be a little early because they start. Everybody sort of works out their, you know, the schedule. I know episode five is going to be a very big one, so uh, you know, so I'm, I'm sure Mr. Singer is going to do that one. Maybe not. It might be Phil. Um, now that Revolution's going away, maybe Phil's going to spend some more time in the in the super world. Um, look, I'm happy for any that they give me, but uh, of course, I, you know, being selfish and being a fan of the show and 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 really loving the cast and crew a lot, I, you know, I, I'd love for them to throw me three, four, five. I mean, I'll do them. I'll be there. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those things where they kind of uh, I think a lot of t- a lot is taken into consideration where you know who Jensen and Jared like working with. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure Jensen's going to do the first episode this season, like he did. Was it six, seven, and eight? I think he did the first one. Um, and I, you know, other than that, I don't know. I don't know if Misha's going to do another one. I'm sure he will. I mean, he he did. I mean, I loved his episode. That whole like backstory that you know Adam has with you know with Henry. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I just thought he just did such a good job. So it'd be silly not to invite him back if he wants to do it. But I mean, you know, Jensen and Jared have their favorites, and then. You know, there's also Warner Brothers has a big say. The CW has a big say, and and um, you know, I I, I'm, I try not to get into involved in all the politics. Um, and then there's a bunch of new shows that are coming out that I'm really interested in. And literally now that everybody's coming home from from New York, like now, the fronts are over. I think next week is is really when things get exciting for what I do because there's the writers are being staffed up right now. And they'll start slotting directors in next week, usually by Memorial Day or the first week of June. I kind of have a good idea what my, you know, my fall and hopefully spring is going to be like. So for, for now, it's uh, you know, it's a little quiet, but uh, I expect it'll it'll kick in soon, hopefully. And um, yeah, it looks good for next season. I mean, you know, I, I again, I I'll do as many as they want to throw at me. Guy, I'd like to see you do a Gotham. Episode. Uh, you know, we're talking. I mean, it's it's Warner Brothers, which is you know sort of like oh, cool. um, a company. Um, you know, Ben McKenzie and I are friends. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know Bruno Heller at all, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of mentalist you know overlap. But uh, but then again, you know, again, Warner Brothers can say to Bruno, um, look, you know, we have a guy that's done quite a bit of DC stuff and works, you know, in a, in. A, Know, has done sort of the genre stuff, and you know they may that may not be a big deal. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I want to do it too. Also, Donald Logue is an old friend of mine too. In fact, Donald Logue and Tim Amundsen were series regulars on this TV series I worked on twenty something years ago, and that's where I've known. That's how long I've known both those guys. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it, gosh, I'd love to do Gotham. Um, uh, I, I think uh, it looks good for me doing an iZombie, which is a CW show that uh, is basically the Veronica Mars team. Yes, Rob so, yeah, Thomas. I'm, yeah, I'm excited about that. that. And David Anders is uh, one of the regulars, and David's a great cat. I mean, he did Alias with him. And um, and, and an Arrow, he played my big bad guy on an Arrow the first season. Um, David's sort of like mm-hmm. a legendary bad guy. but couldn't Yeah, be. he was dark on mm-hmm. Alias. Exactly, yeah. And it's so funny because when yeah. I first met him, I did I, I did an episode of Alias with him, and uh, you know we do the first rehearsal, and he does this thick British accent. I go, so what, what part of England are you from? And he looks at me, he looks around, and he goes, dude, I'm from Portland, Oregon. I go, what? <laughs> what's with the accent? He goes, yeah. I don't know. He goes, I came in and auditioned, and I used the accent, and they I left the room, and they called my agent, said they, I got the part, and I got here, and I said, should I do the accent? And they were like, oh, you know, that's not a real accent. He goes, I'm stuck doing this accent. I don't even know what I'm doing. 
But, uh, so there oh, you go. That's hilarious. So yeah, so iZombie is one I'm interested in, and uh, it looks good for doing one of those. Again, you're sort of, sort of early talking about that stuff, but you know, not keep knocking wood for all the ones I'm really interested in. We'll see what happens. You mentioned the options. You had picture of my book. Oh, say, say that again. You were breaking up there a little bit. You had the options and you directed some, you know, you directed a season one episode and with all the fanfare that Supernatural clearly fronts, is there a pride for you as well? Like, hey, I work on that show. Um, uh, you kind of broke up in there a little bit, but um, I think I, I'm, uh, and hopefully I'm not getting this wrong, but yeah, because I, I think the, you know, the first one I did was like episode nine, right? I think like season mm-hmm. one. Asylum, then, right? Yeah, Asylum. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've, I'm sure I've talked about this before. I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing where I, you know, you get busy on other projects, you get into another camp, you get into, I think I you know, fell into the CBS Paramount world and did a, little, a lot of Criminal Minds back in like 2006, 2007. I think what happens is, you know, they they may or may not have called my agent and said, hey, we want to give Guy another episode of Supernatural, and then, well, I, you know, he's not available. And then they try again, and you're not available again. And, they, you know, people are just quit calling, and it's nothing personal. It just becomes like, well, you know, obviously he's busy with other things. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't have really anything to do with the show for, like, four seasons, seasons two, three, four, and five. And then um, it was the kind of thing where I was, you know, I was always curious about coming back, and so, I, you know, I, I got a new agent. I think right before season six, and they contacted Bob and Phil and, and said, "Hey, you know, we have a, we just took on Guy, and you know, he had a great time on your show uh, five years ago." And, and it was like, "Oh yeah, we'd love to have him back." And that, you know, that sort of that that turned into Family Matters, I think. And um, and then uh, I got offered um, Frontierland after the first of the year. So, you know, you kind of fall back into camps, and um, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, I, I, one of my first agents said to me a long time ago you know that they either want to hire you or they don't and it's 99 percent of the time it's nothing you could have done or said to change anything it's just the way it is and um don't try and figure out or you know psychoanalyze why or why you know something happened or didn't happen it's just the way it is so um and i, I don't know if that was the your question but um pretty much okay good <laughs> <laughs> okay Anybody else on Twitter got anything? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, oh, one Kara Rod said again, um, thanks for answering my question. Just to add that she'd love to see your hand in Constantine and The Flash. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm going to go to a screening Tuesday of The Flash because uh, David Nutter invited me It's uh, you know at, the, at his agency and there's, you know, a couple different screenings. So we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I'd love to be part of that, you know, just like, you know, I was, I was excited about Arrow. Um, and Constantine sounds interesting too. I mean, um, I think that's NBC. I don't know if that's Warner Brothers as well, but we'll see. I mean, you know, what's nice is my agents can really sort of parlay the genre stuff that I've done. Um, and it's fun because, like, when 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 certain shows pop up, they can say, "Yeah, well, you know, we're going to go after them and tell them about you know all the DC comic stuff and the Supernatural and Alias and some of the stuff you've done in that world." And then if there's a procedural show, they, they play up ER and Third Watch and Southland and some of the stuff that I've done that was not 
anything to do with supernatural or science fiction or anything. So um, that's a, it's a good place to be in because I'm not kind of pigeonholed too much. But um, yeah, Constantine Gotham. Um, there's a few eye zombie, of course. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, it's 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 going to get exciting next week, in a good and bad way. Because I you know I'm always kind of disappointed that something didn't pan out, but at the same time, other things pop up and I fall into them, and it was meant to be. And HR Zone 2 has a quick question. Is there a certain episode or scene that you remember shooting for um, that just stands out in your mind more than the others? Um, episode? Um, or scene. Yeah, I mean, Frontierland was kind of cool just because of it was kind of miserable to shoot in this, you know, in that time. It was January, and it was, you know, but then again, that's what the script needed, and it was just, you know, the guys that always wanted to do a Western, and everybody was really kind of excited about, you know, I just kind of lucked into getting, getting you know, I drew that episode. I mean, it was just lucky that I got to do that one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that would be an episode for sure, um, but there's, you know, every every episode has cool, you know, things that, that, you know, I always say when a scene's really working, it's like, I you know, I, I, just, I could shoot the scene all day. I don't want it to end. Um, so, you know, I, I, every once in a while you get you get one of those that, um, you know, that, that on any episode that, you know, it's just working so well and you have actors that you just adore and, and, and you know, you try stuff and it works and, you know, you get like these, you know, a shot that you've always wanted to do and it worked good. And so, yeah, it's hard to nail down one scene for sure. Um, yeah, that's that's tough. And then now I guess, you know, I'm sort of been doing this long enough where there's probably scenes that I, you know, five years ago thought were, you know, one of my favorites and now I don't I can't even remember that I did them, you know, that so so, you know, it kind of changes as the years go on. Um and, you know, look, I, you know, it's it's such a fun job. I mean, what I get to do for a living is so much fun. Um that you know, yeah, we pull our hair out where, you know, we're losing the light and we're, you know, we got two more scenes to go and an hour to do it. And But at the same time, I mean, you know, that's sort of the, you know, what you sign on for when you decide you want to direct. And um, and if you can't, if you can't handle it or can't come out smelling like a rose or, or it, it's too much, then you're in the wrong business. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd change career, or, you know, I don't think I'd do anything else or, I'm kind of glad where I am, um, even with all the the angst that you sort of experience on a on a on a typical day in episodic TV. I hope that answered that question. I think it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would, and I I bet HR Zone Two is very happy with that answer. <laughs> all right. And so. I. I, I You've been on here quite a long time. We've been taking up a lot of your time tonight. I know. I just looked. I just looked down. I was like, <laughs> I, it, was, it was yeah. I was, I was working outside all day today, so it was nice to come in and get a little fresh air. Um, and real quick, we got a completely different question. Um, Drea underscore V. She said she wanted to know: Were you on the set of Titanic back in 1997? Yeah, I, I worked on the show like for a week or ten days. I did Steadicam and. Um, they were doing a scene where they were literally sinking the mock-up ship into real salt water because it was built right there, like, at, you know, Baja, or Rosarito Beach in Mexico, Baja. So they wanted, like, a lot of cameras down there. So I went down and um, worked for, I think it was like a week to ten days, something like that, and there was all the scenes where I think um, 
Leo and Kate are running from uh, Billy Zane and um, David Warner shooting at them, and or Billy Zane shooting at them, and we you know we'd start the scene kind of dry, and by the end of the scene we're all up to our waist. Meanwhile, the you know the cameras are getting you know soaked with salt water. It was not pretty. Um, so yeah, I did. I did. I worked on it for you know a little bit, and um, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, because at the time, I mean, you know, was that '97. 96, 97, something like that. <clears throat> it was the highest budgeted movie of all time, and and we, everybody heard all this, all the stories and the rumors of all the crazy things that were going on. And I had just come home from doing a movie called Peacemaker, and mostly in Eastern Europe. So by the time I landed and got home, um, it was like I kept hearing all these crazy stories about what's what's going on with this show in Nova Scotia and Rosarito Beach, and and so my at the time my agent called me and said, hey, you know. They, they they want another steady cam down there. Do you want to go travel down there? And so I, I glut for punishment. I did, and it was it was fun. It was it was really interesting because I'd just come off of two seasons of ER, and so Jim Jim Cameron really wanted to talk to me about episodic TV, and he couldn't get over the fact that we did you know seven eight nine pages a day when you know you look at a call sheet on Titanic and it was like three eighths of a page. He was like, geez, how, I don't know how you do that. And of course, then it wasn't long after that that he he got involved with Dark Angel. But I don't think he's been involved in TV since. So, um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a different world. <laughs> Are you able to take more questions, or do you need to go? You've been on uh, here for a long time, and mm, we really, really yeah. appreciate. It. We've had so much fun talking with you. <laughs> well, yeah. let's do one more really good question. That I could be from you guys or the internet or what doesn't matter. Just do one more, and I'll get out of here. You no guys pressure. Have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know if, if Becky had one waiting on the list for on Twitter, that's all. Um, well, let me look at the list. I had a question. Uh, I'm just looking at my Twitter feed, and uh, my friend Kat, who is a, Kat Melanson, is an amazing artist. Oh, she's oh, we so love fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, we adore Kat, her. That's awesome. And she said, if you could if you could have anyone you want as a guest star for you to direct, who would it be? Well, first of all, I'd have to say Jeff Bridges, my favorite actor. Um, <laughs> and not just because he's the dude, but um, just for my money, I think there's no pound for pound, you know. Um, you know, But that's a movie star kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of TV guys that I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of. There's a, a guy, one of my favorite actors is a guy named Ron Eldard, who not a lot of people uh, know. Yeah. Yeah, Ron's phenomenal. Phenomenal. He was in yeah, recently. He was on now. Justified. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He has been. Um, but he he had his own show for a while, Blind Justice or something, where he played a detective that lost his eye eyesight, and they let him. Yeah, continue. I love that show. Yeah, it was it was a tough. It, like when that that idea that show was pitched, where they give a gun a gun to a blind guy, was tough. And if anybody was going to pull it off, it was Ron. And I, I, you know, I watched it because I'm a fan of his. And um, you know, I was friendly with him, you know, years ago, and worked with him on a movie called Deep Impact and some episodes of ER. But I, you know, someone like Ron, why he's not like the star of his own show, just it boggles my mind. And there's probably another dozen like that. Um, I'm also a big, you know, as far as movie stars, I, I think Charlize Theron is probably one of the greatest um, actors working right now. If you ever saw the movie Young Adult. Um, she's so great in young adults. One of those movies I just watched on a plane and was just completely floored how good she was. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I could that that question alone, I could I could sit here and answer for hours because I'm a big fan of actors and I'm sort of, you know, I you know sort I kind of kind of blown away by the ones that make it look easy because I know it's anything but 
it's it's an incredibly difficult job to to make it look seamless. Um, and the good ones that make it look seamless is it's just I don't know how they do it. It's like real life magic to me, and it's just an honor to kind of get to work with them and pull stuff out of them. And you know, to me when when an actor comes up to me and at the end of a scene and says, "Man, thank you for that note," and man, I really had that. That's I, I really had it felt like we we nailed that scene. And I mean, that's the best in the world because that's all I ever wanted to do was was um, you know do that. And so it's fun when that happens. Um, but anyway, there you go. Charlize and Jeff Bridges and Ron Eldard, and I'm and a thousand others that I can't think of right now. <laughs> <laughs> And thanks, Kat, for an excellent, great last question. Yes, and, and if you ever check out Kat on Twitter or she's got a website, her artwork, like just with a pencil, is it's it's staggering. Like anybody who follows me on Twitter, my, my little uh, icon picture there is a drawing, and it looks like a photo. And I've seen the original, and it's, it's, it's striking. Anyway, there you go. That's my yeah. uh, commercial for Kat. And... <laughs> We completely agree with you. Kat is amazing. She has donated um, pictures for some of our charity auctions before that she's drawn, and, yeah, she's just amazing. Oh, that's nice. That's great. Cool, cool, cool. I'm sure she does work for commission if you have a picture that you want, uh, a photo that you want a a nice uh, version in uh, whatever. She works in a bunch of different mediums. Um, She will do that for you. And for those listening, her Twitter is at, Kat, K-A-T-M-E-L-A-N, 777. Anyway, all right, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of here, um, and, uh, you know, if I have some news about what my upcoming schedule is, um, if you follow me on Twitter, I mean, uh, hopefully I can – I I hate to jinx myself, so a lot of times I don't announce that stuff. I I just feel like Mm – I'm gonna wait till I'm actually prepping because you know I feel like I'm jinxing jinxing it if I start talking about something that hasn't happened yet. So, so it may be a little while, but um, I'll let you know if I know, when I know you'll know. We'll Great. keep our fingers crossed for lots of episodes next season. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, there's uh, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Guy, for coming on. We. You're you're one of our favorites. You're you're just amazing. We love you. You're great. Good. Well, you know, yeah. look, you guys, it's it's fun to uh, to to be part of this this crazy universe, and you know, going to the conventions and stuff is gravy. Um, when they call me to do them, and uh, it's uh, it's a it's a it's a fun group, and uh, it's nice to to all have a common thing <clears throat> that we all like love and have fun with, and uh, and uh, there you go, and we all found each other. That's mm. right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys all have a great weekend, everybody, and uh, we'll talk somewhere down the line. Thanks, Guy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yep, thank you, Guy. Bye. Bye. Guy for hours. He's so great. I know. I know. Always lots of great stories, and just remember so many details about something, you know, he worked on weeks ago, months ago, years ago sometimes. Right, right. I love it. Uh, poor, poor Vinny had the worst luck tonight. Her, uh, her, she's having she's having trouble, isn't she? Yeah, the phone's dropped. I don't I don't know how many. <laughs> poor thing. I think she was out there for a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. 
My, my phone has dropped calls, literally, Susan can attest, like seven times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been, like, glued on the on the on-air spotty going through this. She's back again. She's back again. And you're breaking up. I, yeah, you're breaking up. How's that? I think it's cause super windy here right now. Ah, oh, I bet it is. It's got like desert winds. But anyway, yeah. So let's. Well, we, we can talk about the episode still. A three. What did you all think? Yes. Yep. Well, we had we have about twenty minutes left. Um. Okay. Well, I I, I, I really liked, liked it. it. And there was stuff I didn't like. So there. <laughs> you liked it. That's good. There's a lot to like about it, <laughs> I, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. I, re- I really liked the episode. Um, I thought it was really setting up the season finale really well. Um, mm-hmm. And after reading, after watching the interviews today with Jared and Justin and everything from the CW Upfronts, I'm really excited for next mm-hmm. season. They keep talking about how mm-hmm. it's just going to, change the mythology and everything for next season, uh, the season finale is. So very excited. Yeah. I, I wonder, because we actually talked about this, this phenomenon last week where, I think it was last week, where um, like, like Jared or Jensen or Misha will say, uh, uh, it's a shock. It's a huge shock. No one's going to see this coming. And all the fans go, well, of course we saw it coming. Yeah. So well, I'm, and, you know, I'm kind of wondering if what we're thinking is something we've been like, a lot of people well, have been hoping and praying for. Some people can't wait. Some people are terrified. But I wonder, I, I just wonder if it's something that we've, we've just pictured happening for quite a while now. It won't be a shock at all. It won't make it any less great, but it won't be that shock they're all thinking it is. Yeah. I yeah, think because you, you have, think it, yeah. I think the thing yeah, that we think is going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, you have Jensen saying the whole, like, it's eye-opening. Remember I said that, and we all went, we know already. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, but I think... There's no the worry big... that you dropped a huge spoiler there. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, if, so if it is that, what he's hinting at there with the, about the eyes and what everybody's been theorizing, I think the big question, and he talked, and the way they think it's changing mythology and setting up things for years to come, is, I think there must, there must be something more to it than just the eyes. And mm. if it is the eyes, the thing is, what's the color going to be? I already said there's only two colors I'm okay with. Mm. All black, or completely green, like fanfic, glass bottle green. Anything else mm-hmm. is unacceptable. I will quit the show. <laughs> Not really. What, but I will quit the show. What would the green eyes symbolize? Because we know the yellow is yellow No, eyes, just because we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen okay, it yet. Okay. And I think, like, we've seen the red and that's a crossroads and so you're clearly not a crossroads demon because, no. And I think, no. I, could, I could kind of back the yellow eyes thing, but yellow, like, Evangel is a very specific demon and that would just be really messed up, in my opinion. Yeah. Not that this is already super messed up, but, you know. I just, and even I really Pan's eyes went yeah, yellow once, too, so we don't yes. want the same color. 
um, if if that's it, black. But didn't we? I mean, hasn't it already been like decided that that black eyed demons are a little bit low on the demon? Not necessarily. It's something that we've kind of decided. We sort of like I, Abaddon had that size. Yeah, we just like, oh, yeah, that's right. And she's a knight of hell. So, oh, I wonder if Dean would become a knight of hell. Well, and I, I, I think, it, I think if, if if Dean's eyes change color, I think that they're going to go black in reference to the end of Dream a Little Dream back in season three. Mm. And when it said, you know, when he was talking to the himself there and he's like, and this is what you're going to become. Because that didn't happen mm-hmm. to him when he was in hell. So I'm mm-hmm. theorizing that they're going to go back to that and his eyes will be black. But that's just my theory. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if maybe they would pick a whole other color because this is an interesting yeah, set I'll... of circumstances that might be something completely different or they'll green. They'll, green like is different. Say, they'll bring... I like the yeah, green. Yeah, I like the green nice. idea. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of cool joking idea. about them being like fanfic green. But if they did go like a shade of green, that'd be something we haven't seen. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Lilith went white. Right. I was talking to somebody on Twitter, and they were like, "I want white," and I was like, "The Lilith went white." Plus, and here's here's something super shallow that I'm gonna just own up to. I think Dean with Black eyes is just way hotter than being with white eyes, and I. That's uh, <laughs> totally valid choice. Whatever. Go with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even going to pretend that I don't have those tendencies. So, I'd much rather see. I'd, not, I'd much rather see a dark, more opaque look than Lilith's, you know, mm-hmm. marble, marble look, which worked yeah. for Lilith, and it made you know both versions of Lilith we saw. It made her much scarier, mm-hmm. but I don't think that I don't think that Jensen's acting ability needs something like that. Not to say that the other one did. I don't mean that the way it came out. Um, <laughs> I love Catherine Bush. <laughs> um, yeah. But I I think that, and I also I would assume that it's probably easier for VFX. And if they do it the way I theorize, they might they're probably going to do it several times, and black's probably the easiest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think like white suited Lilith, but it would not suit Dean. I think black or maybe that green, like a very bad. Who well, who knows? <laughs> we're mm-hmm. we're just theorizing, but yeah, I think I think black would make sense considering and that Abaddon's eyes went black, so she's she was definitely way up on the demon hierarchy being a knight of hell and it does tie back to dream a little dream so that would that would make sense so and and again like we mentioned they have they have the ability to cure a demon so if carry the demon story for as long as they want because they will always have that cure in the back pocket to to and do that I like that Dolly said there a little bit about next season. They already know episode five is going to be a big one. Well, that's mm. because that's, that's, that's the 200th. That's 200. Oh, that's right. Okay, 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 good. So good, no, matter, okay. no matter what happens, it's going to be a big episode. Because yeah, it's, it's going to be a big one. Cause it's it's a mile, yeah, it's a milestone yeah. episode. 
Not, yeah. I mean, but it, it could like be right not, around not many times, so two hundred episodes. Yeah, but it could just be well, that's, extra big on many levels, and it could be. It's probably in sweeps. It could be in sweeps too. So yeah, there's a there's a lot going on for that one. Yeah, that's the the, the theory that a couple of us are working with kind of hinges on episode two hundred. Oh, there's even more to your theory. Okay, we I, you need. I need to talk to you about this then. <laughs> yeah. Um. I just, I mean, it's still the carrying on Dean and Mark of Cain. I, I just, I can't tell you how many times I rewound that scene where he slams the chair to the ground with Doctor Fly. Oh, oh good. Oh good. So good. Again, yeah, it was. It was. I don't care. I, <laughs> and I, I even told Guy, I was like, I don't think that was Guy's intent, but it, I, it was like, yes, that scene was was hot. You know that that scene and you know all this Mark Cain angry, powerful glory. You know, um, again, you don't like, you don't want to be a part of that in real life, but in a fictional show, that was really something. I liked it better than the very end when, not that I didn't like the scene at the very end where he's taking the swipe at, at Gadriel and um, Cass and Sam are trying to hold Dean back. Um, that's very really, really, crazy and powerful, really, really, but I like the other one better. I really hope Gadriel's not dead because I really like Tomo. So the more I can see Tomo, the happier I am. So. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I would guess he—if he's not dead, he's on the verge and will be dying at the beginning of the next episode. Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to Given, given, given the sneak, given the sneak peek, um, for it. Well, you never know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I do want if and. Spoiler phobes, you probably should have left by now. Um, but if you're, if you're uh, I want to mention the um, promo po- photos that came out today for the season finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There's one of them where Dean is beat to crap sitting against the wall. Mm-hmm. And then there's also one where you can see somebody is laying in some weeds. The boots sticking out look like Dean's boots. And Castiel and Sam are running over to that body. Um, oh my gosh! It's been so long since promo photos have actually got me scared to death. <laughs> but uh-huh. I think, isn't the body all you can see? I, the body is jeans and yeah. And no, I know, I know, but I, um, I thought that was not Dean. It's real. Say who I. Yeah, I thought it was because from real. the from the from the teaser from the teaser. I've only watched the teaser once or twice, so. Well, I've only mm. watched it once. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of teasers, or part of a teaser, um, I was really really cranky at my DVR when it recorded this because it it froze at the point where the angel came into Colonel Scoops and didn't start again until Dean and Sam were like packing up the blade to go on the road. And I, at least I had watched the little, little preview clip they'd released because that's when Dean went in and woke up Sam. 
And mm-hmm. I, I was so angry that I didn't have it on my DVR as part of the episode because when I saw the preview, I got really excited because I got like, well, I finally, Sam's got a bedroom and I can see what's inside. <laughs> and it's <laughs> stay long. <laughs> but, yeah, and it, I didn't get a chance to watch it. <laughs> I tried, I paused it um, so you could see behind Dean to kind of see what's in. Sam's room, and it's just really dark, and all you could see was like things piled up. I couldn't tell what they were, but everybody was watching this scene for far different reasons than I was. But whatever, guys, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Well, what were you watching it for? No, 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 that's fine. No, no, that's quite all right. We will say nothing more of it. (laughs) I just think. Jared Padalecki was fantastic in that scene, and we will leave it at that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I saw it in the preview, and I was very pleased at what I what I saw there. And with, thank goodness I I watched it because I I missed having it in the episode. And I, I would have liked to have seen it more and been able to rewind it. But oh well, maybe on the rerun I was able to get it. Oh, again, oh actually, I could go get it on iTunes. That but anyway, um, we didn't talk at all about Tessa. I was just about to say that. Because so, we, and she's um, a huge part of this. And her her monologue about hearing them scream. Like, oh, this episode, yeah. yeah, this episode actually got me a little choked up a few times with different at different moments. Um, mm-hmm. And that was one of them because. That hadn't occurred to me that her whole job is, you know, people want to act like death is an evil thing. She's not evil. She just has a job to do, and she can't mm-hmm. do her job, and she cares about these souls and facilitating their, their movement. So, yeah, I I really, really like the way she played that. And and her, her really... suicide by Dean was just, oh, they are both so good in that mm-hmm. moment. But it was heartbreaking because we've had Tessa in season two, and she's one of those characters that everybody likes, but you never, you kind of forget about her, and you never really think you're going to see her necessarily. And then she pops up again, and she nails it every time. So to theoretically lose her, yeah, that's, that's rough. And I was um, really glad that they brought that up, because to me personally, I think, you know, because every day, you know, thousands of people die every day. And mm. so, you know, they're piling up in the veil. The veil has to be pretty full, you know. And mm. that's a huge, huge problem. And I'm really, I also really like glad they brought that up again. Yeah, I also like that what, what that implies is, because she can get full to hell. That's fine. There's that. So it right. also yeah. tells you it tells you about humanity that for her, a majority of souls probably go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And... Mm. So I think I think that as well is is a heartbreaking thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's still sketchy about reapers and as angels and not one of my favorite things. And then now all of a sudden everybody can see her as as her. I, I don't know. We don't have too much time left, and that's probably like a whole podcast. Right there. Yeah, we just but. gotta accept that things have changed. 
Yeah. So Lindsay, Lindsay McKeon I, has been just terrific. She she has one of my all time favorite line readings ever. Um, uh, way back when, uh, uh, in my time of dying, and and Azazel takes over, and she totally switches, and she says, "Today's your lucky day, kid." And oh, yeah. just the way she uses it, it's just my ab- one of my absolute favorites. And you know we have she's she's from the she's from the days when they actually used the contacts for for the mm-hmm. it wasn't the supernatural beings yeah so we have that mm-hmm. we have also the really good blooper of her missing Joseph's forehead <laughs> and so you know several times <laughs> yes so you know she 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 lives in history for us I love how she giggles too when she just keeps missing she <laughs> sort of giggles it's very cute. <laughs> Anyway, uh, okay. Keep our fingers crossed that we might get her on a podcast this summer. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Yes, hopefully. Yeah. Um, um, can I just say that I thought Metatron was really whiny and annoying in this episode? I mean, there's kind of many times with him in scenes before this episode where he was just truly frightening to me and evil. But this one, I was just like, stop whining. Just, just. Stop it. You're annoying me. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I feel like he's su- we're supposed to be annoyed by him. Um, well, it works, and I like I you know, the really revenge annoyed. of the nerve. And what I thought was kind of interesting that I'm sure Andrew Dobbs did this on purpose, but not this was a very pop culture heavy episode, like pop culture reference heavy. Mm. Um, and then you have Cass saying, you know, I'm very pop culture savvy, which... As we've discussed, I have very mixed feelings about that whole pop culture savvy casting, but mm-hmm. it was, a, it was a, at least at least it was well tied in in that, and then having it having it repeat that scene repeat throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. So it just it bothered me also that that he was trying to wrangle his way in to get um, the guy's bowling alley from he was on the Saints team with the bowling shirt and I'm sorry the character's name yes. Uh, wanted him, and I, I don't know, it was just like he was trying to persuade him, and and, and I don't know, he was treated more like as somebody who is not as powerful and evil thing, and he may not be at, at all, this may be his true persona, but it was, for me, it just was something completely different than I was used to with him. I, it, cracks, it cracks me up every time I see um, Gadriel and Metatron together because you got Gadriel like standing behind Metatron at all time, all the time. And Gadriel and Metatron's supposed to be the big powerful guy, but he's this little teeny nerdy guy. And mm-hmm. then there's big, you know, there's big muscular Meta- um, Gadriel standing behind him, and just those two together and their whole relationship, like the whole give me a second and Gadriel just comes right in thing. Yeah. Yeah, their whole relationship just cracks me up and I, I yeah. could watch those two. If they had a spin I gave off, you a second. I would watch those two. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I, I gave you a second. Yeah, it was kind of funny to hear guys say that they call this a masturbating scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm one. I'll never be able to look at this the same again. <laughs> uh, really quick, um, we're, our live show will be ending in about a minute and a half. Um, so if you if we suddenly you you can't hear us talking, it's because of that. But the show is recorded, and you can listen to the rest of the show later on if you'd like. Cool. Um, 
I noticed Tessa also said the line that many characters have said the season to, to cover things and explain things. I did what I had to do. Well, and Metatron says it as well. Yes, in yes. This, in and this episode, Dean, they both say it. Dean yes. says and it. And then Dean says Tessa it. Tessa says it, and Metatron says it. And mm-hmm. I thought that I, that was one of the notes I put down because I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, but, been a, it's, uh, been a, it's been a reoccurring um, line throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was, the, was, was, it, was we know that Metatron is doing what he thinks he has to do for, which it's, and it's bad what he's doing. What Tessa was doing was bad. So I think, it, you know, it was telling you, you know, hey, Dean is doing bad. You know, it was pointing at that whole thing. Well, you know, clearly and, what Dean's doing is not good, so, yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, but I think it was, try, it was trying to, it was saying that these people, you know, it was basically saying what it's saying, but I just really liked that it said it. <laughs> so, yeah. I um I, and uh I I just yeah I and I loved hearing guys say that they they recorded they filmed the um uh, whole Skype conversation at the same time instead of filming one part different at another I really I thought that was really interesting I was glad to hear that they did that and it's weird that he mentioned that because as I was watching it, because you assume that it's oh, like the, the actors aren't even, you know, there for that entire, you know, it's all spliced together. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, this this feels like they were actually watching the screen, like there was real interaction. I was like, how weird, like really cool that they were able to splice it together like that. And, you know, oh, okay, no, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it, that's, it did that's some real attention to detail. It. That's like going the extra step, you know, to to add something very special. And it, it reminded me kind of, you know, going that extra step, like I wanted to, uh, when Guy was talking about his favorite things that he's done, it was, and I cannot remember the name of the episode, but it was the one where um, the Campbells had kidnapped the um, Alpha Band, Brickworthy, and at the end of it, we find out Crowley's alive. Crowley shows up, and Mark Shepard hadn't put his—he had, you know—he he had agreed to not have his name in the opening credits, so it would be a big surprise when he showed up at the end. And I was remembering our podcast that we did with Guy then, and how that was, you know, such a huge and great thing. And it, you know, it just shows how the stars in the show will go that extra mile to make the show so good. Mm-hmm. We are a lucky fan base. It's true. This yeah. is true. Mm-hmm. And for um, anybody who listens to this later, um, if they if you haven't found out yet, um, we found out CW up front um, yesterday that Supernatural staying on Tuesdays at nine, and our lead-in will be The Flash. And um, originals is moving to Monday. And Flash will be our lead-in, which I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm looking forward to the Flash. Yes, me too. I I enjoyed. I uh, contrary to Bloodlines, I actually really enjoyed the Flash setup episode in Arrow um, this year. I thought they handled it very well, and they kept mentioning it season 
so yeah, I'm definitely definitely looking forward to to that. I think it's a good a good pairing. And it, I love that CW CW has so much confidence in our show that they keep using us as an anchor mm-hmm. for their new shows. I think that is so great. Yeah, and even attending the upfronts, you know, I mean, uh, twice most recently, and they hadn't they hadn't been since the very early years. It was, and they were really got some special treatment and said some lovely things and. Yeah, it was just wonderful to see how, like, welcoming and and um, they got so much attention at the upfront this year. It was really great. Everybody was great and there's I some great they pictures would, and photos and everything and interviews. I really wish they would somehow release the tribute video that they showed at the upfront that we heard about. Um, yeah. You know, the tribute video to um, Supernatural's 10 years. I, I, I would love to see that. Yeah. I wonder if they'd consider putting it on, on like, 10th season DVDs. You know, I mean, there's a 200th episode next season, and that would just be another cool little thing to put on. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. That. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was, you know, we went from the little show that could to kind of face the CW, and that's really amazing for Jared and Jensen to have accomplished mm-hmm. that and to have their hard work recognized yeah I and I think this time this time when they hit 200 episodes they're they're going to get the really proper like like respect and and acknowledgement from the CW I mean they got a little bit last time <laughs> but I, barely but I think this time they will really get the attention and respect that milestone deserves you know, for that's amazing for a show to to get there, and it's really amazing. I love what I love what you're saying without saying. Neil, <laughs> you, you know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm picturing. <laughs> you know, we'll just yeah, we'll just say you know, it, it's 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 really fantastic that the CW and Mark Chetowitz see what we see. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. And, so we'll say that. Yeah. And like Vinny, you pointed out on, on your Twitter that the at the upfronts when they had their big graphic for every day of the week with one actor for every show except Supernatural, which has Yeah, I thought that was so awesome because you know, on one hand I don't watch Vampire Diaries, but I always think of Vampire Diaries as a, as a show of, of, of a three-lead show. I could be wrong because I don't mm-hmm. watch it. So, you know, <laughs> but no, they just had, they just, it was just one actor, you know, that's it, one person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get it for Arrow, but for us, you know, they didn't say, well, which one do we put on? They went, no, this is an even keel. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. you know, how how the fan base feels, you know, it's not, it is the two it's leads, the it's not the, the lead yeah. and the, it's, yeah, it's not the Sam show, it's mm-hmm. not the Dean show, it's not the Jensen show, it's not the Jared show, it is the Sam and Dean, Jared and Jensen show, and so, mm-hmm. I, I like that, I like that the care was put into that to, to make sure that it was accurate in that way, and, I don't know what that noise is. Ooh, that's a cat, that's a cat. <laughs> Oh, it sounds like a child in need of a... Oh, my gosh. This is why I don't have cats. 
That, yeah. no, oh, what it is, is it's this horrible outside cat that my son lets in because he loves it. So now I need to go catch it and throw it out. <laughs> uh, poor kitty. He says it's cold out. Let me inside. <laughs> so, and, you know, for anybody who's still listening to our recording, um, we want to congratulate the five winners from the Supernatural Design Challenge. Over the past five days, they've done um, one design a day. And mm-hmm. I think all of them I, were very true to the show. You know, it was good votes um, all around. I, um, you know, uh, we have to. It's just awesome to do that. Just awesome to do that, and and the voting and the beautiful designs and the Robert Singer and everybody participating and and talking about it. But I am very sad to say, though. Wasn't one shirt I wanted to buy? You know, maybe the first the one. No. I was thinking. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, but like, is this, I'm like, is, I don't even remember seeing this a, some of those on the design list. I remembered all of them, and only one of them that made it to the winner's circle was one that I voted for, which was the um, the saving people, hunting things, the family business. Uh, but okay. I was like, is, is this something that is this a commentary on my sense of style? Because that's the only design that I voted for that, that made it to the end. And I thought I had voted for some really awesome designs. Well, a lot of the designs I don't remember seeing. Um, I, remember all, I remember all of them. I remember all of them. Um, and there were some that I know made it to the finalists that, uh, this, is, this is really, I don't mean this to somehow come out how it sounds, but in a way I kind of do. Um, that I'm glad those didn't and this did, but there's also one that I know that was a finalist that I really liked and was really kind of hoping I would see and didn't. So, you know, you never know. Well, yeah. we have to give a shout-out to Freakster who designed our um, website logo, our header, our, um, you know, our icon on Facebook and Twitter freaks she designed and she won she won the one I was um, talking about. Yeah, the one in the top five. Um so the Saving People Hunting Things shirt. So I love that, you know, woohoo, our website designer girl, she won. So very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and, mm-hmm. and then um I um I I did order a shirt. I ordered the one that was yesterday's shirt um the mm. one with the big s that ran through it and mm-hmm. um yeah i i ordered that one and i wanted i wanted to order today's but the last time i checked they didn't have as many designs um uh, as many um different versions of the shirt so i need to go back check and see if they added more um different because um, yeah. i like i did, i um Oh, good. They no, they still. Yeah, for some reason the crazy people they only have four different versions, whereas the other ones they have like fifty million different versions. Hmm. Yeah, I don't um, like. The, I like the first one. Brunette the first one that came out, I I actually liked it, and I said, well, let's let's see what's coming, and you know that now that that one's all sold out, so I was a little disappointed because I actually I think would have put out money for that one, but I was too late. But yeah, two of the others I'm like, no. <laughs> But that's just me. I'm just strange taste. Well, and I do think I do think the goal. I think the goal was. Yeah, you know, there were a lot of really fantastic designs, but are they really shirt designs? There were more kind of mm-hmm. 
poster, lithograph type of design. Right, right. And this was, and there were a lot of designs that, while of fantastic, were not really general enough. Like the Charlie, uh, the the Charlie as the Queen. That one was gorgeous, but Charlie's not the definition mm-hmm. of supernatural. So right. there were a lot that were, you know, a little on the iffy side in terms of being thematically accurate, and you know, also having, you know, mm-hmm. having the actors' depictions while within the guidelines, it's a difficult shirt to have and it's a difficult shirt to sell. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, these aren't, you know, this they're not aiming to be, you know, T-shirt site, site one day, hardcore fandom kind of thing. They're, they're looking to mass produce this to a general audience mm-hmm. who isn't going to, who won't necessarily, who loves the show, likes the show, watches every week, but may not actually recall that one obscure moment that you interpreted and sketched and used a line that nobody remembers but like you know half the fan base it, it, it gets tricky so it was a, I'm sure it was a hard you know a hard thing for them to narrow down in general Just I agree Agree. And as we're talking, I'm going ahead and ordering one of the crazy people shirts because I just love that speech. <laughs> <laughs> they may not have the design T-shirt design that I wanted because I like the um, the slubby. I, I don't know. It's it's a women's size that they had yesterday that I ordered in the one. Oh, the, the, only, the dolman. Yes, I love that. And so I got that one yesterday. So today I'm just going to go ahead and get the straight T-shirt since they don't have the dolman. So. Yeah, I do have to say, you know, congratulations to at this time I haven't ordered any because, you know. I'm very picky about my family t shirts anyway. Very, very picky. Yeah. But I ordered I ordered two. Oh, uh, that maybe that'll help. <laughs> that'll make up for that'll be one of that you know, can count as one of yours, so <laughs> Yeah, see you you order the shirts, I look at the shirts. It's how it works. <laughs> If I can remember what? my password, will it be even better? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I is think, there anything else about? Uh, is there anything else about? I'm very excited. I'm very excited about next week, but we shall see. Um, next week, we're trying to do uh, to get a discussion table, round table sort of podcast going for you all to listen to, um, asking some of our our blogger friends that you all know and have been with us before. So hopefully that works out uh, scheduling-wise. So it should be a lot of fun and a lot of insight and a lot of thoughts. Mm. I talked to Danielle, and she's all up for it. Just needs to know when. So Yeah. So. Yep. And it, I mean, despite the fact that we may fans may have already guessed the, that shocker of an ending, it won't matter because it will be a huge thing and still be really fantastic. And and they're also Denson was hinting at some really cool brother moment, which God knows we could use one like this. You know, so, it's been, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Been, yeah, so we had one, so, I, you know, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Um, anything else? Should we wrap this up and get ready for the finale? Yeah, I I think we're good. I think we covered it all. Okay. Thanks. Um, Give a big shout-out to Guy B. He's always awesome. We love him to death. He's one of our favorite guests. Yep, well, he is in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) Most most times on our podcast ever. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening and downloading. And we'll talk to you next week. Yep. Bye, everybody. everybody. Thanks, you guys. Good night. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.